Are we doing this? We're like having a conversation that we should like. It is being recorded right now. But I, I say that then. All right, we're doing it. We can, okay. so that was it. That was all. So how do you normally it. open this up? With a couple of tries. It has the illusion of, <laughs> of authenticity. Yes. So I usually say something along the lines of, welcome back to We Want More, the Harry Potter and Methods of Rationality fan fiction analysis podcast, a subsidiary of Doof Media Incorporated. Today we are joined by a very special guest, Inyash Brodsky. Hey, hey, everybody. And of course, Brian's here, who hasn't said no, anything. No. Oh, wait, well, this, all the pre-stuff is on the episode, yeah. too. So. We, forgot, we forgot to fuck this up and then have to do it over again. We're going to just roll in the soft start with this no, and leave all this crap in, too. So. Wait, we're going to no leave editing. all the There's no stuff editing in? on this show. Of it. Okay. I don't know. We'll figure it out. What was that? There's no editing on this podcast. Is it like baseball? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it is usually fairly streamlined. So that's how you get the raw, unfiltered three hour episodes. Yeah. Uh, so. Mainly because I don't want to put in the time that it takes to record that and then not have people listen to almost all of it. <laughs> and I swear I don't think, it's, especially like, like the comments, the zero comments we ever get about the quality of the sound. And yada, I, I think people just don't care. Yeah. They're not here for the fireworks. Uh, so this is the first time you guys are recording an episode in the same room. That's right. Fact. But we're not in the same room because that would be ill-advised. You're totally in the same room. We're totally in the same room. <laughs> the, the, the warning has been lifted from orange to red or, or from red to yellow. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't mean that it's less like, ridiculous three. to go out and do stuff. But, no, but our, our rationale is that we've, we've been home for the last three months and we're not going out to parties. We're, we're not even within six feet of each other. So Yeah, we're yeah. not going to events where we can go you know, be, be subjected to the breath of hundreds of other people or even dozens. I mean, I this go grocery like shopping us. once every couple of weeks. I know. Yeah, that's probably more dangerous than this. Yeah, totally. Okay. But I'm saying as far as not being subjected to people, I, I have to be to get out and But now shit. we have to, like, look at each other's faces as we say things that break each other's hearts. Yeah, you say that, but I'm looking <laughs> at my phone, so. <laughs> That's right. I know it is weird that, like, there's levels of, there's the typing at each other in a chat room, then there's the, oh, you heard my tone of voice when I said it, and then there's the actual seeing a face when you say it. I really like being in person more because you can like do body language and like you just did the expression. Exactly. Gesture. You saw a hand gesture that nobody's yep. seeing. And yeah. that's actually, you've been sort of like my, my barometer for, because I know you both in real life and online. So you, nobody knows that I'm looking at Eniosh when I say that. Um, so I've been able to gauge cause like you'll say something online and I'll be like, Oh, he's sounding kind of like a dick. But this, so then I can compare cause I'm like, Oh, but I know that's Eniosh. So I can like put that in like, I'm like, oh, okay. And I know what that would be like. Like if Ineos were just saying that and he knows that I know him when he says that. And so then you're able to compare that to like, okay, I've got a good example of how did that sound coming across in just text versus the intent I know is behind it versus, so it, it's a good like way to compare things. Or I, I, then I completely forget it, but. It's exposing the whole internet dick tendency thing. I know. We, well, and all, here but we like, are And the flip side the of, like, of like over-interpreting it would be like, oh, well, actually that's like, if Ineos just said that like, live you know to my face that would have been no big deal at all so then you're like oh i'm like everybody so. just sound like a dick i also like, worry that like if i were to say it live to your face maybe i would say it differently you know try to couch it in some way but there's like, like you can say shit like way meaner in person because there's That's like true. a there's like a look on your face like you know that like we're cool and we don't mean it yeah he's on to so. something i've even noticed that sometimes you sound grumpier than you've ever sounded in real life on discord yeah i think it's just being around internet people okay or maybe it's just internet speak that's what and i'm still not sure is what i'm wondering is like is that like maybe that's just the way it is for everybody and but like my gut reaction is kind of like oh but that's 
Eniosh and I know what that would be like, 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 oh, I'm just misreading what Eniosh typed, but everybody else I'm getting an accurate view. And that's probably not true either, but it's probably a case by case basis. Oh, speaking of people, um, I got to mention, cause I know if I see it to the end, I'll forget. Uh, we've been working on for like a month, maybe, maybe, maybe six longer. weeks. Yeah. yeah. But it would have been a week and a half if we hadn't forgotten about this one over and over the last riddle. So someone mm. was sending us Slytherin delivery system messages about clues to like, what is it like secretpassword.com or yeah, something? Yeah, it's uh, one time secret.com That's or something. Is, yeah. yeah. And there'd be like riddles that we'd have to solve. And it was awesome. It was super cool. It was really well done. I was very impressed. And it was very nice to do. Yeah. So we solved the last one today. And uh, we had to give a shout out to Daniel uh, uh, Nadolny for being the guy. Dr. Be- Daniel Nadolny. Really? Ooh. Oh, yeah. I totally go- I Google stuck you, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so we're on to you, man. But no, yeah. Um, this was, I, I don't know how long it would have taken if we had sat down and just like you know if we sat down for a weekend in the same you know like project kind of like let's bunk let's bunker and do this maybe we could have knocked it out but in spare time after work it took us like six weeks because the last one involved uh uh having to like xor binary yeah and which is fun it involved Um, knowing that both steven and i are computer programmers and well I, i can't think i've ever had to, I mean, I've used, you know, and or statements before, but I've never had to do anything like that with sort of cryptography with binary ever. Yeah. Um, so when we got a clue for that this morning from uh, from Daniel himself, but he, he hadn't been revealed as the game master yet. He said, I've been told to convey this to you, which was still plausible. Although I checked, we suspected it was him on like April 21st. I think I had to go, go back and check. I had like a pretty solid idea kind of from the beginning of who it might be. Yeah. But now I'm not sure I have to go back, but. I think I think our. Oh, that was cool that he changed his name. Yeah. Online, he changed his name from Zorander to Xorander. As a clue to us, yeah. So anyway, that was awesome. We had a great time with it, and had to give you a, a shout out and a thank you for doing that. Did so. that come acl- yeah. across as a clue? Like, did you put that together? Uh, he mentioned Only to me directly. Fact, I think, right. No, he mentioned to me directly that hey, I, my name changed. I was told to change it as a clue, but uh, I'm like, I still don't get it. And then that's when he was like, well, you know, Xor and or Gates, and I'm like. Yeah, I don't see how this helps me solve this problem. <laughs> but, <laughs> when he kind you know, it's cool. After Google stalking him, I uh, he uh, so he's got a doctorate in social psychology, which I think is super interesting. Um, but he's uh, he was ha- almost the same major as me, a double major in English and psychology. Oh yeah, which makes him as unqualified as me to be reading Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, this was a lot of fun. So thanks again for doing. Yeah, I really that. appreciate it. It was really cool. It was fun too. I was just impressed with how well done it was. Especially like from the beginning, it was, it was like, oh, like the, these clues were so vague. I then like there was this point like, oh, and then at this random spot on the internet, I found a bunch of binary that was clearly left for my benefit. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Well, and the other thing too was I got messages often within like an hour of each other from like two or three different people saying, yeah. hey, I was told to pass this along. And, and I didn't pick up on that because we weren't, we hadn't gotten to the Slytherin mail delivery system oh, in the yeah. book yet while it was happening oh. and it wasn't until steven pointed it out that i didn't get i'm like oh that's what's going on here so yeah but i just like there's a bunch that. of little stuff like that it was I, really I don't clever. know i don't know if he like messaged them all at the same time and was like hey can you send this to steven or if he's like hey tomorrow between two and three can you can you message this to steven mm. and then that way it's like all right i don't think it's a couple of you guys might be one or two of you guys but it made it impossible to find the ringmaster mm. which was just hilarious so yeah, this was There's really still something well to do with the number three, though. So now I'm like, now I'm going to be like paranoid in the back of my head that it's not, we're not quite done or something. Wasn't there a Jim Car- Oh, 13 was the Jim Carrey movie no. where he's drawing it everywhere because it's a really easy number to derive from other numbers. So he's like seeing it everywhere and he goes crazy. Number three and something about faces. 
Because he had the face of Bo and Bester saying, I just have that kind of face. And this is like the paradalia of riddle clues. Like any random two things that are the same and two things must mean something. <laughs> right. It has to, what does it mean? Anyway, I haven't been like involved. vowels in, in every clue. I haven't been involved in anything this. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been involved in anything like this Slytherin in my whole life. So being, being part of like an actual plot was a lot of fun. So especially when there weren't any stakes, no one was getting, you know, there's no, nothing to worry about. So right. you weren't going to have, you know, some poor innocent person tortured if you didn't figure it out in time. Right. He said something along the lines of like, oh, I, you know, I, I could have done a better job here or there. And I was like, dude, if this is your first try, I shudder to think what you could do with your tent. <laughs> <laughs> like this was really well done. So, all right. And he emails back. He's like, check your nightstand. <laughs> Luckily, I think he's another confident Oof. away. So, there, you know, that's what I was thinking too, is like, if like the next level on this would be like geocache tricks, right? Like, hey, get the geocache oh, app and go that here. Because you could find the coordinates somewhere. Yeah, so that would be awesome. But nice. I think he's not on another continent. So, is uh, he on another continent? Oh yeah, yeah. If, if you are in the Germany area, then we did track you with IP address. I think Netherlands. Unless is you that really near is. Germany, my geography. Isn't yeah, really actually, they pop, it popped twice. One was in the Netherlands, and one in Germany, but not far. Like, yeah, I can't. Happy's huh. using a VPN, so you can't. That's what we said. We weren't sure. We're like, what? Because it also bounced somewhere. So, except it was VPN. It was like they weren't exactly the same in the same part of the country in our same part of the world don't know anyway it was tight so it's nice sounds like it was a lot of fun it was all right we got a book and we had to try that hard was like oh let's track his ip address to see if that's a fucking clue like that's how (laughs) we went kind of off the rails with the last one just because we were lost and so i kept thinking like we're missing information because that's when i suck at my job i'm like okay i'm clearly missing something right and then you go Mm -hmm. back and it's like oh yeah missing that but this this wasn't quite that issue but it then we were like, all right, well, where else could the clues be? He kept saying something about leaving things in plain sight. And it's like, all right, let's see what we can find. Mm-hmm. So. Well done. Anyway. Thank you, sir. What do we want to talk about, Inyash? You're, uh, you're our guest. I, uh, I don't know. How do these things normally go? Do you like just do a kind of retrospective on the entire book? The Well, not the entire book, but the entire the series of chapters of the book? Today we learned that Inyash doesn't listen to the podcast. That's fine. No, I do. <laughs> I, I listened to... <laughs> I actually finished up the most uh, recent episode about six hours ago because... It was so damn long. I wasn't able to finish it yesterday. And that one didn't even like feel like, yeah, we, that was like three hours. Three hours and 15 yeah, minutes. That was, that was our longest. Crazy. Like there have been other ones where I'm like, oh, wow, this one we did like a long time. That one I'm like, oh, how'd that happen? Yeah. It, it, yeah. That's because there was a lot to talk about last one. Yeah. So. Was I was going to say it, it felt like it went by really fast. But on the other hand, I like broke it across two different days. So two different spurts doesn't feel like one really long slot. Yeah, we'll have to see how this one shakes out. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll mention this a couple times and again at the end, but I'm gonna. this is going to be a two-part episode. I don't think I'll release them both on Monday. I'll figure out some optimal release strategy. But we're going to do this one and then do a spoilery one that'll come out sometime between this episode and the next episode. Yeah. So I guess this one, um, the reason you said you wanted me on here was because uh, you heard that when I was reading the Azkaban arc was when I decided that I had to do an audiobook version of this. I heard that from you on the on the audiobook. Okay. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't realize that I put that on the audiobook. I knew that I told someone about that, but apparently you I told, told the entire world. <laughs> world. Okay. But, well, and I mean, also, like, like we did the, uh, whatever, episode zero together. Like, mm-hmm. this this has always been, this this podcast wouldn't have been a thing without you. So, you're, you're, you're this is an open invitation, obviously, but it was kind of like, oh, yeah, we need to have Enosh on for a retro. Oh, shit, yeah, he liked these chapters. Let's talk to him about these. Yeah, but these were my favorite. Yeah, it, 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 we don't have to like say, all right, so chapter thirty-one, this happened. Chapter, no, yeah, no, so yeah, forget God. that. I think like you already did that. Yeah, exactly. Thank Over you. That's a good way. Last twelve hours. <laughs> yeah. So, um, really, like it can be any parts of the whole book up through now. But you know, if you want to focus on the last 
uh, by book, I mean the method of rationality, not yeah. the shadows of death or whatever book right. three is called. So just talk about whatever. I, okay. I don't know. The, did I can also get us going if you don't have a good starting point. I, I have, want to put you on the spot. I don't know. I got a starting point, I guess. I can't derail until you get on a rail. So. Okay. So, <laughs> I don't know. I heard you guys last episode. Wasn't that the one where you started off the rails? Or was that two episodes ago? It's it's me. It's probably both of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, um, so this one to me felt like it took a really hard right turn into um, dark and serious and bad place land. Because uh, like before this, everything was kind of fun and happy, right? Like it was the Catch That Goblin song in in fiction format did did you get that feeling at all or did this catch be like the a goblin per- song catch that goblin oh that do you, have you heard the intro song to your own podcast no wait what <laughs> i stole it from his from the audiobook and i don't know where you, it was was it free sound oh no it was from somebody uh, i haven't was, listened to it in a while wait we had like a I, there's a 20 second I, song at the top and bottom but it's just like the the flutey yeah thing. that song's called catch that goblin by oh, skaven okay. yeah which okay. I remember the name because you say it at the end of every episode. And so as soon as I started the sentence, my brain auto-completed the rest. I thought it was it. called that flutey thing. Nope, nope. Catch a uh, Goblin. It was originally from the mod scene way back in the day. Uh, so this was like one of those amazing things that they did with 17 bits of memory and using two registers mm. on RAM or something. You know? I mean, not literally, but it was one of those showing off how awesome programmers we are by utilizing almost no system resources to play this entire song kind of thing. They had competitions mm. for that back in the day when men were men. <laughs> you know she has a gripe that computers since they're like more powerful now people don't have to like be optimal with how they write code which is clear but what complete shit with nowadays i mean kind of, I was kind of just right now it's like today. oh we'll let we'll let tech optimize this in a year when it goes to market like sure it runs slow now but people's phones look better in 20 you know 2021 so when we were working on the 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 riddle thing and i i said to you when we were on chat that uh that it felt like oh, we pretty much know where this is now. We just haven't figured out the exact, like, what's the last clue. And it just reminded me, like, this is going to date me exactly. Playing Zork when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, and I then you get it, you're like, it's like, like, attack troll. Fucking kill troll. You just got killed by that troll. Fucking, and then, like, the kill troll with sword. I'm like, fuck you. I didn't type the right thing. <laughs> um, but as, so as I was like, was it exactly? So I'm like, oh, I'm sure you play Zork online now. It's like, yeah, Zork is like a tiny little JavaScript payload that runs right in your browser. Mm. So... There you go. But yeah, how did you feel about the transition from more comedic hijinks to You this? know, I don't know that I've seen you're talking about like everything since since well so the cutoff the cutoff is like around when the dementors show up. It didn't Yeah. Oh I, I mean like the at, like um, up through like the last chapter. Yeah. yeah. And so you're talking about like that transition around I think humanism was the end of the last arc, wasn't it? I maybe I'll have to double check. I thought it was the beginning of this one, but okay. I'll take it either way. But I think yeah, what you mean is like it was like kind of at the beginning, like comed tea and uh, hijinks with the time turner, and well, let's Throwing do some let's, eyes and bullies yeah, faces. Let's do science and that sort of stuff, but with these cool undertones of like, oh shit's kind of weird, and um, you know the the stressful moments and that sort of thing. But then it kind of went straight from that to like where you change the intro music after you've been doing the show for like a year and a half or two years or something, where yeah. it was like, okay, yeah, this is more serious. They're now breaking out a tortured woman from hell, yeah. like. Yeah. Think things are real, right? Yeah. I was like, I can't start yeah, I think... an episode where they walk through a concentration camp with Catch That Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it doesn't like the the story hasn't like broken up into discrete sections so much for me. Although when I hear you guys talk, it sounds like I don't know if that's just like the community has started to think about it this way or it's or, the community. Or, I think. Yeah, there, I, mean, I mean, there's also the fact that, like this was a 13 chapter long arc 
right? So like it was it was broken up into its own section with the yeah, chapter yeah. names, but like, and maybe like that's a whole like event that like when this is happening, when it's being released like in the world, like that's a whole event around it. But because for me, it's like this the whole story has like there's sections to it, but there aren't there aren't like hard breaks between different parts of the story. It's more I don't know. You just kind of move. It didn't. Uh, but having said that, though, it did feel like the once we went into like the Mission Impossible Azkaban stuff that did feel like a like a pronounced shift like like not a just like not like a sudden break or something but like oh we have changed tone so that did feel like more of a like a definite break in tone for that but and but even then I was, it's more just like okay the the story has you know suddenly gone into high gear mm-hmm. right here but it hasn't felt like oh this is now of a different quality you know, you right. know this is a different kind of story now it's just like oh we've really moved into a, a different mood right now i think if, if this sort of thing were to happen to me in my life, I think I would always have a before Azkaban and a- after Azkaban sort of demarcation. Harry has that sort of realization in that chapter where he says it would be wrong to go to Azkaban and have not change your mind about anything important. I did. So I think what I noticed a couple, both um, inside Azkaban, though, was the uh, and similar to the um, to the armies of what a, anyway, the the Ender's Game part which ironically I've just started reading Ender's Game to my daughter and I'm like oh this is a lot like Ender's Game um, but explicitly so yeah. yeah I know um, but that yeah in those moments where like action is kind of the wrong word but we're in like plot advancement or just sort of like exciting things in the plot um, when the volume on that turns up like the whole thing kind of just takes on kind of an organic momentum to it that's a, that kind of makes like pulls everything together and it's kind of a lot more appealing you can I guess it's more like you can tell when like the author's kind of getting lost in his own story and like the stuff is just kind of happening kind of of its own um and it's kind of less talky um <laughs> but yeah I, th- I think when it's when it's like less self-consciously like trying to communicate a thing and is just sort of becoming the thing that's so i like i definitely the all I mean, the I Azkaban stuff is way trying to communicate something. my favorite like it's trying to communicate yeah. Azkaban is fucking horrible and people have allowed this to exist yeah i guess it's more like when it feels like like it's not on purpose Almost, I mean, and maybe it totally is, but like when I am fooled into thinking like, oh, like there is, there's no goal to the story that's being told. It's just a story being told uh, or not, not like, I'm, you know, there's no conf- like second intent underneath. It's like, oh, this is just the story happening as the story wants to happen. I'm okay. So like as someone who tries to write stories, sometimes I'm legit. That's a very modest way of saying as a published author. <laughs> I mean, I've had a few short stories published. That's, that's very different. But um, I, I certainly no. Anyways, um, <laughs> like the there's always an intent of some kind on the author's part. I mean, do you mean where I'm like uh, like he's where I'm disconnected from it? Emotion it's, it's, and, and it's like oh I'm well yeah. So there's that, and I get but no. What I mean more, I guess it's more like when I am broken out of the story, and then thinking oh there's some guy who's trying to tell me something that isn't a story about what's happening he's trying to tell me a thing it's like oh i'm not only reading the book i'm reading the cliff notes to the book okay okay um so basically you're just more immersed in it yeah it got better yeah okay yeah i guess so and and this one i mean this is kind of a weird kind of because this book is sort of explicitly trying to be more than just telling a story and not like oh the story can't have like extra meaning to it but when i don't know it's like when you break out of it because it like it breaks the fourth wall and you're like and you are aware that there is a person 
not just a person on the other side of this, but a person on the other side of this who is orchestrating it in a way that they themselves don't regard it as a real thing that's happening. And then I get sucked into not regarding it as a real thing that's happening. Okay. If that, I mean, it's mostly that it like yanks you out of, you're not in that world. You're not yanked in that world anymore. You're thinking about like, oh, you're kind of, you're back then seeing the dude at the keyboard doing it. Okay, okay. I think the moments that do that for me, it was worse, well, not worse, more prominent earlier on where like something would be happening and then Harry would jump into like an inner exposition that would take up, I don't know, uh, six or seven paragraphs on some Mm -hmm. studies and this and that. And I always like those because I'm a fucking nerd. But it's like, I mean, it. You think about things like that, if if you're if you have the presence of mind in the moment, very briefly, you're like, yeah. oh, this reminds me of that. But like, you you don't get, I don't know, I you don't you don't look back and be like, oh yeah, um, uh, Milgram's experiment, thirty seven out of forty, you know, like you, yeah. you remember most. But actually, fun fact about how uh, apparently the author, the way that he did this was that. Um, with with few exceptions, when he when like he had Harry cite some study or something, he would do it from memory. But when he has Hermione do it, he would double check because <laughs> Hermione would remember perfectly. Um, cool. But those moments where it felt like, oh, the author wants to tell us about this thing, not like, okay, yeah, it's perfectly natural for him to take literally five minutes while he's t- while in the middle of a conversation with Professor McGonagall to go over the history of whatever, right? Yeah, um, that's where it's like it's kind of hard. Like, it's hard to gauge. <clears throat> like because this book is like doing that on purpose so it's like a conscious and there is a cost i mean it does yank you out of the story um but like it's a conscious choice like this isn't just a story it's and the methods of rationality right um so it's more like like that that is a payment he decided to make and, for, think, and, and he's for gonna, me, you're gonna you're gonna pay it like it's gonna interrupt the narrative just because that's what it's like, yeah five. but I'll, I'll just register for the record that for me that works perfectly mm-hmm. like i like those i think that like it it works as an aside that yes it's not like the plot yeah but it's like okay yeah oh and that was really cool well, yeah Great. And, yeah because now now back to your regularly scheduled yeah. program and if you don't do that then you don't get that you know that cool additional bit to it and then it's just you know some other story right. about, you know then there is no other thing but that's like in order to be that extra thing you're kind of like that's the penalty you pay is that you're and, See, and I mean, later on, you're I'm going to more time. At the camera. <laughs> later on, he gets a little better at it by like having that be part of dialogue, mm-hmm. or yeah. it feels more natural anyway. Where he's telling somebody about it who hasn't heard about it, so he gets to be verbose, right? Yeah. So like if the if the character is telling somebody about it, that's a cool way to convey like rather than me just dump this on the on the reader, um, it's like oh yeah, I can convey this all the information by having the protagonist explain this to somebody, yeah. or like I don't think this happens, but like read it in a book, or you know other tips and tricks i've seen is like oh yeah the protagonist is scrolling through like a news page to try and find something and we're getting quick skims of what they're reading so it's like oh yeah rather than like have the author just find some way to like shove that in our faces the the characters having it shoved in their faces and so like we're seeing what they're seeing so it feels a little more natural you know what occurs to me too is that it's also like harry is a lot more likable now and i think in the beginning when he's it's just alternating between dry lecture and asshole not dry lecturing <laughs> then it's like there's no break it's like okay these like with one because now it's like okay here's an interesting thing and i can just sort of be like intellectually interested in a thing and then you know that balances out with okay now we get to see this kid like having like actual emotional experiences um in a way that normal humans do so i got two things uh i guess the first one being that the reason i really like science fiction is because they do oftentimes go into these sorts of things and like explain i don't know why the orbital mechanics are what they are uh and 
to me that always that wasn't a penalty i had to pay that was like a bonus in the story i was like this is awesome i get to learn more cool new things and it impacts the plot in some way uh that physics works this way and like i have a intense dislike for books that seem to not give two shits uh where they're just like oh yeah this just happens because it's convenient for the plot for it to happen well, yeah, but that's still like Larry Niven explaining what a bussard ramjet is, is more like relevant to the plot than Harry deciding to, you know, talk to us about hindsight bias, <laughs> like hindsight bias, not really, you know, central to the plot going on or, or um, like, and, uh... and not even that that's necessarily a bad thing, but like that's, and that's, and that's what the difference of it, like becoming like this overtly something more than telling a story. Yeah. Uh, I think a good, a good example stuff, so interesting. that I can relate to because I didn't get either of those references was, uh, <laughs> Andy Weir explaining how many potatoes you need to grow to survive oh, for like a year awesome. and a half yeah. or something, right? And yeah. so like literally calories by the day mm-hmm. and square footage of manure versus how much shit is in those little bags already. And like, I found that surprisingly riveting, right? That was, that was the part yeah, no, that I was totally really missing from the movie. Because they couldn't they, really... They did yeah, some, but they can only do so much, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was... I thought that was the Counting best part Counting potatoes of doesn't make for good cinema. It made for really good reading. I know. They could totally made it good yeah, cinema. Yeah, and I totally tried. get off on that stuff too. It's cool. I know I've plugged this before, but the audiobook for that was amazing. Like, it wasn't just read, it was like voice acted. And so, like, I forget, like, Soul 54, like, you know, it opens with, like, log entry, but it's like, Soul 54, I'm fucked and I'm gonna die, <laughs> is how it opens. And the guy doesn't say, I'm fucked and I'm gonna die. He yeah. shouts it. It's yes. hilarious. <laughs> like, it, and I, I remember I was sitting in the car listening to this, and it kind of startled me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah. I, I feel exactly what I was supposed to feel reading this. This is perfect. Yeah. Reading with my ears, anyway. Uh, but the other thing was, like, the whole Harry being an asshole thing, and I'm, I know we've talked about this before, uh, and I just... Frankly, I thought it was delightful, and because there's some, I, I, I know, I judge you. yeah, I know, you right I know, now. no, there's, I know that the Duke <laughs> cast has done uh, the entirety of Scott Lynch's trilogy so far with the Gentleman Bastards, which uh, you know, it's a one of those stories that starts out with thieves who eventually like go on to do great things, right? They use their thievery for good, but like in the first book, in the first few chapters, they're robbing this poor, good heart, not poor, this rich, good hearted guy blind because he's like good hearted and wants to help people. And they're like, well, we can help you help people. And then they just take all his money because he's a trusting, you know, good person. And I was like, fuck these people. I've heard great things about this book, but I cannot sympathize with any of these people. This is not the book for me. I put it down. And so, like, I've told usually whenever I recommend Harry Potter, I tell people, you know what? Read the first five chapters. If you think Harry is fucking hilarious and you love this kid and you want to see more like I do, keep going because it just keeps better, getting better. But if you hate him, you really should stop because well, you know, there's, there's 600,000 words of this. And I, and I think I said this in the, the one we just released that uh, that like making him unlikable in the beginning isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as you can kind of put something in the story to let people know that like don't see, worry he was like you don't have to get to like this asshole no but see he was super likable to me i see, love okay, that harry he's hilarious you. and he's fun no but see that and this is what's been weird about me is because like i i've heard that from similar to that from you know not just you and that and what's so puzzling to me about it is that it seems pretty clear to me as much as you fuckers hate me saying <laughs> the author's intent like by now like we were not ever supposed to like him and I think it was like Dalton is like he should have really like and I think he should have done a better job of old, giving us at least enough hints of like don't worry it's going to be okay are, are um, you or giving us a somebody else for liking him then? a little bit yeah okay, no right. um, see how it is. <laughs> so this is where the facial expression thing is important <laughs> but the but no I think 
because I think part of the progression is like Harry is learning to not be an asshole. I mean, and, yes, he's learning a lot of life lessons, and one of them is how to relate to other humans. And that better, that behavior in the beginning was shitty behavior, and like even and now we are at a place where like even Harry would agree that that's shitty behavior. So I don't know why you assholes haven't caught up. <laughs> I, so, I felt because I felt like it was justified shitty behavior for the most part. Like yeah, it was shitty, and I wouldn't do that. But on the other hand, it felt good to finally see someone else doing the things that. I always wished I could have done if I wasn't so constrained by politeness and the niceties of, you know, being nice to these idiot douchebags that hate me for who I am. <laughs> See, that's, but, but even, and, and like, not that I can't relate to that, but that even like Harry has arrived at the place where it's like, you know what? So in the Harry metaphors, I am the boy who lived. It is unbecoming of the boy who lived to shit all over people that are not simply for the crime of not being the boy who lived. Yeah, and but like he he's didn't figuring know that he out. was the boy who lived then. He, I know. Then and, he was just and a so nerd if, that everyone hated that he knew. Exactly. And so, but then if you're like, okay, this is kind of shitty behavior. And like, because like, because my, like the cognitive dissonance I was having was, okay, I don't like this fucker, <laughs> but I'm supposed to. And it's like, am I supposed to like this? I'm like, no, you're not supposed to like this. He's being a dick. You like, you know, sympathize with it later, but because it was like trying to internalize, like, you know, he's being a condescending prick and looking down on people in a very comic book kind of way. Am I supposed to think that's acceptable behavior? And apparently a lot of people do. And not, but I don't yeah. even think that's what you were taking, taking from it. But well, no, I mean, I don't think he's like a terrible asshole, but I think like as an 11 year old boy who's been shunned by all his peers, has no friends and is isolated, he's made like a great go of his life like he actually has fun he's like well fuck you i'll do reading and do my books and my studying and i don't have to impress you guys because you're not my peers anyway like i i love that he could still enjoy his life and embrace life despite the fact that he was completely alone in the world and that was that was a thing i looked up to i mean yeah and i like yeah and and that part of it i mean totally get behind it's the like wondering like is that bitter arrogant little like faux self-esteem you know the like oh i'm i'm such a piece of shit that i'm better than all of you that vibe is like to the extent that that's like sneaky and you're like that's distasteful i don't like that at all well but like they, the, yeah but totally that like like that horatio algery kind of like oh i'm you know just trying doing the best i can and making it on my own i have no idea who um, horatio algery is i know i did that on purpose <laughs> <laughs> who's the dick now <laughs> I, i've got one we can all i've got one we can all relate to how do you feel about the character of tony stark in the earlier iron oh, man movies the earlier iron especially man. like the first 20 minutes of the first movie and he stays that way for like basically through the third Iron Man or into the third well, Iron but Man. But in movie. the first twenty minutes, he's especially dislikable, right? And Whereas he's kind of after that, to be. he's just sort of like arrogant and prickish, but still, still super, relatable, but still super condescending and kind of a douche. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong; I love I, the I, hell I, out of it. Yeah, but I, it, it, I guess, and I don't, I'm, I don't even know why, you know, what changes that arithmetic. But it felt like so. Yeah, you don't like that part of him, but it feels like there's kind of no malice behind it, backing it up. Yeah. And so then it doesn't bother you. It's, it's almost like it's very superficial kind of arrogance, which, and I don't know like what it's constitutes true. this, but with the, with this Harry stuff, and I fully admit this is me projecting all kinds of shit of my own into the story, but that like, it felt like, Oh, like that was some like ugly, like inner, inner okay. fuck you attitude coming out of it that See, like had, had malice that. was, was yeah the i never got it. the malice because he just seemed like so he was having so much fun in general that i didn't get malice from it i got like oh yeah we're gonna go scare neville now because it'll be good for him and like 
that was bad and asshole-ish and stupid of him to do, but like he never did it with the intention to be mean to to Neville. He just thought like, hey, let's introduce some chaos in this kid's life. It'll be fun, right? Well, and no, that was stupid. But you know, what I like about that's I think a really good grounding moment because like it was one chapter I think after that where he meets Hermione and it starts from her point of view. So like we get then immediately that like oh. The author writes nice characters too. Yeah. So it's not going to just yeah. be the POV of this guy who tortures other kids or teases, whatever, bullies other kids, right? I mean, um, he threw chocolate at him. But he did it in a way that he knew would scare him. Yeah. And so, like, well, and, and the way that I know I'm right is that the sorting hat calls him out on that. He yeah. says, no, you did it because you thought it was fun and you knew the boy who lived could get away with it. That was the real reason. And if that's what, his, that's what, if, like if that's what his own inner psyche says, I think that's as close to like word of God as we can get. Right. <laughs> but this was and like, part of like the super importance of Hermione in the story is to give you like the idea of like, no, we, we are in a world where sane people know that being cruel for the sake of being cruel is not okay. No matter how smart you are. When this was also right after he like dedicated his marriage vows to prevent some girl from getting raped. Right. <laughs> I mean, he was trying to help people too. Yeah, it, and that whole thing's been kind of farcical, even though he did say that he might have to end up actually marrying her. I but. When I read that uh, the first time, like, my heart froze, and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm reading this. And I almost had, like, a shock reaction. So, like, I kind of expect other people to do that. And when you guys just breezed over it, and you were like, oh, that was kind of cool of him to do that, I was like, okay. <laughs> like, what, that, that, the, I always marriage, figured, the marriage thing? Or the... No, 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 the I'm going to rape Luna Lovegood thing. Oh, I I think we talked about it for at least a minute. Cause, yeah, like, I mean, you didn't, like, it... breeze over it, but, like, oh, I, I, that's where about... I expect people to drop the book. Oh, well, uh, I get, yeah, I guess it didn't... I don't like, know the right word for it. Yeah, it was, it was incredibly distasteful, but in a way that totally worked. I mean, the yeah, shock, I yeah. think the shock factor of that thing really worked really well for the story, yeah. and it was creepy as fuck. Yeah. I think it was because it also, like, that did come out of left... Like, that was the first, like... Oh hi, you're not reading, you know, YA anymore. Yeah, um, and it was like the first thing that Draco says that the like this, the first thing that he says that's like the least bit off-putting is the most off-putting yeah. thing someone could ever say. Yeah, and so it's just like, ah, oh, damn it, this kid was kind of cool, and uh, man, he's kind of a fucked up little monster. Um, but I guess what I was wondering was like, if you hated Harry so much, why did you keep going? Like I would have. I'm doing a podcast about now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, I thought because I mean, now I'm, I'm liking it a lot, and and I think we talked about this last time. Like I, I don't know, like if I was just if somebody had just recommended this to me and I was reading it, I definitely would have been even more. T- I don't know, even more turned off by by the beginning. But I think the only, um, and so there might have been a danger that I've been like, oh, fuck this. But also like getting past that. You know, like we talk for three hours about 45 minutes of reading. Uh, I would have like, you know, you're I'd be through the first 20 chapters in you know, an hour or two. Um, I don't know that fast. But so that like that, like, okay, this kid's a shithead wouldn't last very long. And then you kind of move on. But um, How, how far did you read when so like my understanding of how this got set up was I was looking for a companion for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And Inyash was like, oh, I recommended the first few chapters to a friend of mine from book club. And then he was like, oh, yeah, he liked it. He said he'd be interested in doing it. How far did you get when you did your initial reread or your initial read? And what was your first thoughts? Not very far. I think probably only a couple chapters. So there wasn't enough in, like you didn't get enough of a read of him and how he's interacting with other people. Then and I think like in the initial read, like there is because it is such like a new the like, oh, we're going to treat magic. We're going to make magic, you know, show its work. Um, I think that's the part that like sticks out the most. And, and is the end. I mean, and that's kind of the coolest part. Um, and I don't know, like if I had continued to just hate it the whole time, it's still kind of fun to, you know, record me hating it. Um, <laughs> well, I think the other thing too, is that like, um, 
like you mentioned, we, we took it at a pace that is glacially slow for like yeah. how the average person reads. Yeah. I don't know um, how, if I were to time myself. You just 20,000 words in one week. Well, in one week, like... Was it? It's but that's not, only what, 40 pages? I mean, it's not... It's not, it's not a ton for like an avid reader. I I generally read a novel every couple of weeks or, or more, but like the average person doesn't read 20 books in a year. 40,000, yeah. I mean, 20,000 words in one week is probably more than most people read if just, you know, like dedicated fiction. They probably read more than that online, just, you know, skimming Reddit and Facebook and stuff. But sitting down as a single source, I don't think most Americans do. Yeah, right. But if you do, you'd probably read like you either do read or you don't read. Yeah, if you if you, if you factor out people who don't read at all, then it probably that number goes way up. I mean, most people I know who read at all read a number of books a year, and I find I'm I'm in the weird gray spot where I I read one or two books a year, maybe. And they're always the Wheel of Time. No, that's just what I always reference. <laughs> I was going to make another Wheel of Time reference actually, in that for I like only the, say that because I just heard the part where you said, and Inyash is going to yell at me for this. Yeah, um, I'll be happy to say that Daniel, who gave us the the Slytherin challenge, also mentioned uh, Wheel of Time when we were talking about it after the fact. He's like, I felt weird lying, but it was in the eyes to die sort of lying, the magic people who take an oath not to lie. Okay. Um, so I'm I there, there there are literally dozens of us and Matt Freeman his his uh, Reddit or his, all of his internet handles come from uh, not just from the book it's an amalgamation of the ancient language he made his own word out of it so oh really he's more into it than I am oh neat yeah okay I thought I it was know. like a from the book directly uh, well I mean he, he took two word parts and right, right. shoved it into a new word but um, what was I saying before that the uh, I lost my train of thought but I, I I got another one to pick it back up so like. Um, I'm still hung on my, my derailed or my, my lost train, but it's off in the distance. I'll pick up randomly somewhere else. So like you mentioned that the initial part of the, Oh, I remember why I brought that book up anyway. Cause like for the first, like for the middle eight, nine books, maybe middle 10, the, the protagonist fucking is crazy annoying. Okay. He, he's an asshole and you get it. He's under a lot of stress, but like, that's no excuse to be a complete dick and he's going insane, but still you don't have to be an <laughs> asshole about it. So um, anyway, you mentioned like, Oh, it was just like the speed of reading, I guess, because mm. uh, we we mentioned that, like, and most of the reading I do is like serial fiction. So how many how many books is Ward, right? I don't know. It's two million words, but it's one book. Right. Like, I, I don't know. Um. In any case, uh, the. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. And you read that over the course of what a year and a half? No, two years. I think years? I read it okay. as it was coming out. And it, it took just about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, a, million, a million words in a year is impressive. That's oh. ten books. Cool. Well, great. Well, all right. That puts me at a decent reading level then because I don't feel like I read enough. My brother, we, we used to both be like this. We could pick up a book and, you know, put it down in three, four days and be, you know, finish a, a 500 page book. He can still do that. And I can't. Hmm. Um, I might be able to if I tried. I just don't. I don't know. How, I don't know why, but I've, I've lost whatever it takes to do that. So jumping back to this, um, like in the beginning, the protagonist is kind of annoying. But I maintain that if you were reading this at a at your regular reading speed, you would have pushed through to the part where it makes it explicit that like, oh, he's not admirable. He's not supposed to be seen as admirable yeah. in the first dozen chapters. I still disagree. There, so, yeah, so like, I mean, actually, and that's what's so confusing about it because you're not the only one. I think part of it, though, is that because he just becomes the stand-in for rationality, that mm-hmm. calling Harry an asshole equates to rationality is bullshit. No, I which, totally disagree. Well, no, but, but I think on, a, on an emotional level, I think that's how a lot of people, that's a totally natural reaction for a lot of people to have. And so then you're going to kind of like then want to kind of defend anything he does because, no, I like this guy. I like this this philosophy of life. So, and so he must not have been an asshole. I, I can 
I've met a a number of rationalists. I've I've even met some of the more prominent ones. And while I wouldn't say that you know any of them are assholes, I don't have like this instinctive "you're just wrong about someone" kind of feeling. Like Elias Ryutkowski legit has um, little fucks to give about his social presentation, <laughs> and sometimes that comes through. And you're like, "Whoa, okay, that's not something I would have ever said in public." But uh, but like. So I'm not that hung up on defending individual people. I just really like Harry. I think as an 11 year old boy, he boy he's precocious and fun and not mean. And um, I think it's not that he's identified with rationality. It's that I identify as I would have liked to be him when I was 11. So I guess it's like I am my 11 year old self is being attacked, or the ideal of my 11 year old self. Since I was never like that. Huh. Isn't Ender 11 in, in Ender's Game? Uh, you know, I was surprised. He's six when it starts out, which is completely unrealistic. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, but again, like, but I don't care. Oh, so like is I, daughter? I, Isn't she like seven? She's eight? 11. Oh, she's 11. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, okay, I was going to say, if he's 11, I'd be like, okay, that kind of makes I'm starting that to read Ender's makes, Game. I'm like, oh, we're right on the for... edge of, is this appropriate to read? <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. Because well, I was going to say oh, seven We're going to be like, all right. Well, especially in the... Like I think it's the beginning of the first chapter when he's shutting down that bully and he's like, no, I had to shut yeah, him down. I didn't have to just stop yeah, the yeah. fight. I had to fucking win. And it, him, didn't yeah. he actually kill him? Uh, yeah. No, he didn't kill. No, he sent him to the hospital, kicked him in the nuts on purpose, and then like, smashed his head with that heavy thing, didn't he? No, it's it's revealed yeah. at the end of the book that he killed. I think him, that's. Late. Have you read the book? Oh, did they lie? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I read it like. Ten years ago, and there's now I'm just really reading it again. For yeah, the near the end, it says that he killed him, but he didn't know that. He oh, killed but he him and he killed okay. one other kid yeah, too. Yeah, that. but they oh, never damn. killed him. I forgot about the other kid. Well, yeah, so they've got a serial killer, a six-year-old on their hands, right? Mm. I mean, I guess they chose the best possible candidate to lead their their army. You want the yes, right kind of sociopath. But I don't think he's a serious. Psychopath. No, he, he was, well, no, no. That was kind of the big point. Of like, and yeah. that's like having just read these couple chapters that they ask him, "Why did you do it?" Because uh, they want to know, like, did you just do it because you wanted to kill some fucker, or that? But they asked, so that it really bothered him to do it. But he thought it was necessary, and the reasons yeah. he did it were a good reason. But like, as good, it as bothered it him for the reasons that a sane person would be bothered, and his reasons were not crazy. Yeah, saying I had to shut down all future altercations with yeah, this kid. I wanted that's to why win I was so every hard fight from then on. That yeah. like that's almost a sociopath answer, but it wasn't because like I wanted to see what color the stuff would come out of his yeah. head was. Like well, that's no. a sociopath answer. But it's also <laughs> the thing that he's small. He's much smaller than this bully that was beating him up and like he knew this one time he got the drop on him cuz he underestimated him, but if the bully came back, he would come back in force. Ender wouldn't win another fight yeah. against. And him. I think to end it humanize to him, end Ender like puts well we th- apparently kills him but we thought put him in the hospital and then after he's alone and walks off he like breaks down and cries because the whole thing is like overwhelming and so and, like that kind of stuff that's show. right yeah it's like if you go up against a mob boss you don't want to like just kind of cripple his son or something you put the fucking mob boss down i saw john wick you too. know they have okay all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no i didn't mean to interrupt but i see what you're saying yeah you, you've got to start with mm-hmm. all your strength and win your first round because if they get a chance to rally their forces and come after you there's nothing you, you you won't you won't win yeah. a concentrated effort on their part. Yeah. Um, so I guess I trying to think of a way to segue, but I'll just push it back in. How are you liking the book through where we're at? You having fun? It's no, that was, yeah, that like was a leading question. Let me just say, you, <laughs> you're, you're liking it, right? <laughs> yeah. Tell um, us how much you like Grandma's pie. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I had exactly like that was like the big metaphor I had was like oh, like we've 
like all the rationality community is like, you know, the McCoy family <laughs> inviting me over for Sunday dinner, which is a huge honor. And I'm, and you're all really lovely people. And wow, grandma drinks a lot. Is nobody going to say anything? <laughs> They're like, apparently we're not going to talk. And yeah, yeah, like wine in every single thing. <laughs> it's worth pointing out that this isn't like the unanimous holy book of the community. There are people, there are, there are, self-identified rationalists who don't like this book like that's, that's totally allowed yeah, yeah. well that yeah and that's the other funny like but but you know i don't hear from those people yeah it's true so and, that's, <laughs> that's and actually that's because you joined the podcast <laughs> <someone> who likes <laughs> it <laughs> well and and they're all if they didn't like the book they're not gonna listen to a podcast about that book right exactly. so yeah. although they might if they knew that you didn't like it at the beginning so. that's true so. which which side are you trying to woo here ryan <laughs> there's no wooing oh wait okay. sorry but i dodged a question uh no i am liking it a lot more when when do i think i think I think maybe it is like around this section when when the Dementors showed up, um, and then I think, but definitely when it became more clear when Hermione became more of a like a barometer for like this is what sane is, because um, I and that so that was like my biggest problem from the beginning was always because it's not and like when you were talking before it's not like oh this character is unlikable therefore I can't like the book it was this character is unlikable and I can't tell if I'm supposed to be okay with that. Um, and that like discomfort of that. Cause you could just like straight up like, Oh, he's a dick and let's see what happens with this story. What, what this story does to a dick, or is this just a story about a dick, you know, land that likes dicks. I'm running <laughs> with that. Um, but, but so now, but so now having more of that, some just kind of like sanity check on, okay, this is like a, a, a normal human wrote this um, with normal human tendencies um, and so just like being able to trust that and go with it is that's made it a lot better. But then I also think like, then there's also just kind of like, you can tell he sort of found his voice as they say, like he's, he's just kind of like going with the flow more of it. And the story's kind of taking on a life of its own. But, um, but yeah, and I think like it turned a little darker and then that just, and then it kind of, that got more interesting. So I'm definitely, um, like, you know, no, I would say like, I did, I like it. Um, now at this point, um, we come back later. Like, what do I think about it as a whole? I think, you know, I don't know yet. Um, I, I think um, I like that answer, and it put me in mind of uh, the TV show House, which I think we talked about because you knew somebody whose daughters played oh, yeah, characters yeah. or something. Um, like, if Wilson and the rest of his team weren't in the first like three or four episodes, and it was just about this sociopath, pill popping asshole doctor, <laughs> you'd be like, "Am I supposed to like this show? Am yeah. I supposed to like him?" And like, what you do is you love House's antics. You love that he doesn't give a fuck. You love that he is so essential that he can do whatever the hell he wants and they still need him. Like that part, th those yeah. are the things you like about him. He's Sherlock Holmes. Um, e explicitly. I think yeah. I've, I think I've laid out, he lives at, if you see the one, there's one episode where you see his address. It's, uh, twenty one Baker. I think it's like two, 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 one, a Baker street instead of two, two, one. Um, house Holmes, Watson, Wilson, mm -hmm. the guy who shoots him at the end of season two, you never get his name, but if you watch it with subtitles, like I used to watch subtitles, his name is Moriarty. Oh. Um, nice. He plays the guitar. House used cocaine, or uh, Holmes right. used cocaine. House uses Vicodin. Uh, Holmes played the violin. House plays the guitar. There's at least a couple more. But anyway, it's like supposed to be explicit, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and in and that I, show, I, like I, there's I a railed, universe but... of sane people around him having sane reactions to his behavior. Right. So and they're like, like, "Oh my god, you like, can't okay. do that!" Yeah. And he's like, "Bah." Um, so, uh, oh, I just I brought up House just because it was a nice. Oh yeah, but like the Wilson anchoring is kind of like Wilson is is House's Hermione, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, okay, good. We have a sane person. This isn't the story of a sociopath we're supposed to enjoy. We can enjoy his antics, yeah. but we can see that he's got tons of character flaws. Now, are you guys some people... defining sane as like socially acceptable, socially common? Um, and just like 
safe. Like if I went to the hospital, this is just like passes the don't be a dick test. Like the don't have to think about it very hard. Is that the kind of person you want to hang? Yeah, it's not clear to me. I'm like not if sure I, that like counts as sanity. So if so I would, much as it is person personability, is that it? Word? Yeah, a bit of both. I don't know. Like just uh, a a like, metric, I don't a, a sniff test. I like be d- his friend, but I think sometimes he feels he seems to have a tighter grasp on the world than other people. But I was, he, but he's, he's like, more. Like, I mean, sane or whatever we mean by that. But just that are we in a world that thinks that behavior is cool? Like that's what I would, whatever, whatever we want to call it. Like okay. a, a sane world says, okay, that shitty behavior is shitty. Okay. So that's kind of all. That's very different um, from the way I use the word sane. That would have been, but okay. Now that I know how you're using yeah. it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And that's a good way to put it. Um, I was explicitly instructed to ask you, do you have any predictions for where the book is going or like what's going to happen? Where the book is going. I was thinking like the whole, uh, what I, I like the uh, the mentalist I brought that show up before that the like the plot was so formulaic that you could then predict what was going to happen and not that this is being formulaic at all but but that how much I'm able to like extrapolate based on well okay this you know certain things pretty much have to be a certain way like like the and the big one being like all major characters character being kind of a vague term but like by now where we're about halfway through there's going to be no new character unless it sucks but like if we if we just drop in and i like not broadly like if suddenly i'm trying to think of you know suddenly ludo bagman was like super important to the story that would like be a who doc again oh he was the he was the quidditch champion dude anyway it oh, like, but it doesn't okay. i was picking like some <laughs> random fucking character no, you, that we've yeah. seen not at you all yet. It, yeah if yeah. we suddenly like oh and suddenly he's, he's important actually i was trying to think of somebody like or if, if suddenly um hagrid became critical to the plot, not just in like, not in being a plot point, but suddenly became a really important character that would be weird. And, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, it's probably not going to happen. And so, but meaning that everybody that's going to be on the stage is on the stage by now, or has been on the stage by now, including Voldemort, not necessarily that, I mean, I'm pretty damn sure like Coral's got to be Voldemort, but it's actually Hagrid. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But, but even I'll say if I'm wrong, like, or, Dumbledore's got to be Voldemort. I'm starting not to think that, but it's got to be something like that. It's not going to be Ludo Bagman. Um, and so then, okay, if I know that, like we could start to figure out a lot of what's going on based on that kind of stuff. Okay, you're like, okay, this is a Harry Potter story, so Voldemort's going to be in it. Everybody's talking about Voldemort all the time, and we don't have a Voldemort yet, so he's here already. Um, and so then, well, you know, so it's, I mean, at least, so I, don't, I can't like say this, but it's got to either be Quirrell or Dumbledore because those are the only people that, if you're going to tell a story, and Voldemort's got to be in it. Any story that didn't do it that way is gonna suck. And you're um, you're pretty damn sure that Voldemort has to be in it. Yeah, or the, like, and not not necessarily the Voldemort that I mean, it could be anything, but like that they've been talking about Voldemort and whatever that is that that thing. If that thing doesn't show up in the story, it's going to be a crap story, and I don't think that's what's going to happen. But so that's so some and I, you know I've so where is this going to go? I don't know. Like we're going to find out who Voldemort is. Um, except there's something fucking weird with like Quirrell and Harry. So, and I, it sounds like, like maybe that's been like a, like they've taken the, that weird, like Vulcan mind meld thing that Harry and Voldemort had in the original books is like going somewhere else more so, or, um, cause he keeps talking about like the split soul thing. So I'm like, like a oh, Horcrux something, which wasn't the way it was in the original books, but so I don't know, like, like Voldemort put a piece of his soul in Harry, which they sort of applied before, but, um, 
the, what, one of the things you said that put just made me kind of smirk a minute was like, if I, f- I forget the phrasing exactly, it was like this important character is, has to already be here. Like, cause we've met a bunch of people already. Uh, do you remember professor Trelawney had like the first sentence of a prophecy on Harry's like Sunday morning after his first week? Dumbledore, you like, probably tackled don't. her and disappeared. You, you, probably, oh, yeah, you yeah. probably don't remember. It was like, he is coming, the one who will tear apart the very... <laughs> and so when you said, oh, and then Harry stands up, he's like, it can't be me, I'm already here. <laughs> so when you said, oh, he's already got to be here. Somebody's flying across the room in his sandals or something. Right. Mm-hmm. I picture like, Jesus Jesus running across the... Yeah. I... Um, oh, go ahead. So, well, so where do I think it's going? Um, well, we're definitely going to resolve the war on Christmas. <laughs> I haven't called it that on the on air yet, have I? I don't think so. So, so I'll explain to those just tuning in. Uh, so, I people are not going to be surprised that I'm not terribly on on board with the uh, getting all bent out of shape about life versus death because I think your your deathest person is a non-existent straw man slash boogeyman, and this is your war on Christmas where you're all super offended at these fictional deathists that are trying to make you all die for something or <laughs> are like coming after your cryo chambers or fucking i don't know i, I, I absolutely i, 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 I see this in complete uh, honesty i love that you think this <laughs> because i'm gonna check back into with you in 12 months and 24 months and you're gonna be like oh my god dude i never realized how much deathism there is out there <laughs> it's, I, uh, it's one of these things okay. that like you don't notice it because it's just in the background atmosphere but once someone draws your well, i guess so tell like, me so what, what is it fuck? so what is it you you think that there's a bunch of people that really want to die no no no, not just that that venerate death itself as a thing that makes life noble and uh better that's like the explicit lesson in half the movies i watch yes that's the explicit lesson i was going to bring up um as another trope that just as far as like what i like with that quote rationalist books or rationalist fiction does that non-rationalist fiction doesn't do is there's the trope of the idiot ball where it's like false stupefaction right well, and yes, so they, 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 they lampshade it or they, they hand wave it. Um, but like they're I'm trying to think of um, like in every horror movie, mm-hmm. like there's like, oh, you know what? Uh, you go run outside and check out that, in, that, that scary noise. I'm going to go hide upstairs during this ghost attack or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> so like because they need more plot to happen, the character becomes uncharacteristically and suddenly a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. And that happens in basically everything. I think uh it's it's happening less now it a bit less but i like i, I watched uh just on this afternoon i watched an episode of supernatural which is not an a, apex uh, example of television but it's fun and mm-hmm. it's season 14 it's the longest running uh science fiction fantasy or i don't know what you call it ghost whatever genre x files falls into okay. it's the longest running live action version of that in english at least um, I think it's going to be in 15 seasons and they're finally wrapping this thing up. So Is that longer than um, Doctor Who or do they count the split when they had the several decades break? Might be in America or maybe they're not counting. I know they don't count breaks. Okay. Um, in any case. Yeah, uh, and there were several decades there. So Yeah. Okay. But whatever it is, um, like just in this one, uh, they're, they're investigating where they watched a monster go in. One person goes wanders off over that way. The other person goes wanders <laughs> off over that way. And they're kind of just talking to each other across the room where they can't see each other because mm-hmm. they're behind shelves or whatever. And then like, and like, oh, oh no! And it's like, like what? You you okay? And slowly meanders <laughs> over. It's like, dude, you've been doing this for fifteen fucking years. You know she's not okay. Get your ass over there. What'd you even split up for? This is not that big of a room. You guys go through it together. Clear the room properly. You still don't know that, but because he, you know, they don't know that because there needs to be something to happen in this in the plot, right? Yeah. So what I like about rationalist fiction is that the, if that happens, it's not for the same reason. Like we needed the plot to happen. Um, There's always so, a good reason for it yeah. if it's well written. Rationalist yeah. fiction. 
Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's bad fiction in every genre, I'm sure, in every subcategory of writing, but like that that's the goal of it. Um, I forget why I brought that up exactly. Deathism. Oh yeah, so um, I do love the analogy, like even if I don't think it's accurate, but like I'm trying to think. I mean, the in canon Harry Potter, and like death that was like an ex- and first of all it was funny because he mentioned that like a soul was deprived of death it's like oh that's just mm-hmm. pure what you put it in the notes war hashtag war on christmas which <laughs> made me laugh but i think that's a direct dumbledore quote from the original from the original books it's not deprived a direct quote of, no no okay well no yeah then that's but, and that's but, why i why but, keyed off of it i'm like oh this was put in the most like but, it, but it's yeah. dumbledore's sentiment like yeah. the, the canon well, books, yeah, stated as baldly so you like think dumbledore is an idiot as possible well or that he's you just literally think, said uh, to the prepared mind, "Death is just the next great adventure." That was in the canon book. Yeah, um, like Voldemort was bad, really, for no other reason. Like they made him bad, but like the main thing that made him sinister and evil was that he's trying to live forever. No, right? I mean, I, and, so like, and I agree that like he's it, it, not, he's pro, I don't know, pro death, but he's that he says that kind of like, "Oh, death is the next great adventure" stuff. But that particular phrasing was put in that way to make him sound stupid. How are you not pro-death if you think that death is the next great adventure? I, oh, so right, maybe so afterlifeism, actually, I think is an exception to this. Like, because um, I don't know if you want to spoil Picard for everybody. If I already spoiled it by mentioning that it's deathist friendly. You have now spoiled that, yes. Well, I mean, oh, have you seen Picard? Picard yet? Oh, the Star Trek so, Picard no, the new series? Wait, okay. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm very unsensitive to spoilers. Okay, it's it goes pure deathist at the end. And you will be like, oh, okay, I see now what Inesh is saying. And it, that's, really it's not the only that. situation of that. Anytime you see a movie <laughs> where, like, some character is dying, I see and then someone often says, I think but death is what gives conflate, our life meaning. Now, you, that there is a difference between deciding to come to terms with the inevitability of death and thinking death is awesome, and I think you confuse one for the other a lot. People choosing not to fall into hopeless despair because they yeah, won't yeah. live forever is not the same as thinking it's awesome that we're all going to die. Can I give... This is going to be a major spoiler for Picard is the problem. Uh, spoiler for warnings for Picard. Okay, uh-huh. like, huge spoiler warning. Please jump ahead by two minutes if you want to watch this terrible, awful show that nobody should bother watching. <laughs> uh, at the end of Picard, uh, they have managed to recreate Data entirely. Uh, of course, they don't put him in a new Android body. They just kind of keep him in um, solitary confinement for two years. So, obviously, he kind of wants to die after having been tortured like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him for that. Although, I think Data would be <clears throat> rational enough to want to be put into a new body. But... Also, couldn't they mind-wipe the torture from him? Yeah, I haven't know, seen Star Trek. Is that a thing they can do? Y- yes, and also, he like didn't seem all that put out by being in solitary confinement for these all these years. I don't know. They just... This was one of those shows where they don't think about anything. They just want to make a series of cool scenes, and it's it's bad but um as i was saying picard dies at the end uh, of like some brain tumor thing but of course they want there to be a second season of picard <laughs> so they bring picard back in an android body uh but they don't give him like health and youthful vigor or anything like that he's still old and decrepit and doesn't have a lot of energy uh, right not, but not the cgi the face most... that did one from the x-men origins movie <laughs> but the most awful part was when like they tell him, yeah, you're in an android body now. We've we've restored you, and he's like, oh. but they're like, oh, don't worry, you'll still die in a few years of old age. And he's like, oh, thank God. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, could they make it any more explicit? Could they have done that I, if yeah, they tried? I, you know what I thought though? Like, what kind of like weird horror show would it be? Because I think like the way I rephrase it, it's not like 
people that say like, oh, I wouldn't want to live forever. They're thinking, they're not thinking about the question the way you're thinking about it. Yeah. Um, th- but if you rephrased it, would you like to be able to choose when you die? Okay. Then I think almost everybody's going to be like, yes, that sounds good. Thank you. And nobody's going to be like, no, the, I want the, the saint. What did he fucking Dumbledore call it? The, the spirit is deprived spirit of the deprived. Yeah, I want the, my privilege of death. Fucking, no, like, fucking nobody. I, and by nobody, I mean you could dig up 20 people that will. <laughs> I was, so the same number of nobody that nobody wanted Firefly canceled. Um, <laughs> okay. If, if I personally knew someone who felt that way, would you consider this at all evidence I would, that more than 20 people in the world? I don't, I don't know. It depends. Well, but let me, but so what I was like, I think a lot of time when people are answering that, what they're really thinking is, and this is the part that does seem like a fucking horror show. What if you were not allowed to ever die? Right. Yeah. That mm-hmm. would be awful. Um, and if I had to choose between them, I would choose the I'm going to die someday um, against my will yeah. rather than I'm not ever allowed to die. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is a thing that is um, it's not like we haven't figured this out. Like we we know that nobody wants to have um, be forced to live forever if they're in terrible circumstances. Uh, so it is normally phrased in ways that like, hey, you know, wouldn't it be great if you could just remain as healthy as you wanted for as long as you wanted that kind of thing. There's still people that turn them down. Um, Gray, who now recently moved to Colorado. So that's awesome. Unfortunately, right about when Corona broke out, so we haven't seen him since then. But uh, has this thing where he asks people basically that sort of thing. If you had a, if you could take a pill every day that would just keep you young and vigorous for, you know, another day, you basically don't age. And if you're already in like an ill health, it'll help heal you up. Like, how long would you keep taking that pill? And there are people who will answer, oh, you know, I'd probably stop after a few decades. Like, it's... There are people, but who, they might not see, but you see, and that's what you're calling that. That they say like, Oh, I probably would. I think I would probably eventually want to die. Cause I was just fucking tired of it. But like, and, but the, I wouldn't call that death is, and that's just like, I don't know, but I wouldn't like, but if you made the dead. heroes in your fiction, people who choose to die, Seeing because this, that is the noble yeah, thing okay. that gives life meaning. But are they, but is it death for the sake of death or is it in some cases for it is. some larger? Yeah. See, I guess we come back to, do you think more than one in 10 out of people think death is awesome? So I think, I do you think, think more than just, one in 10 people said, no, I wouldn't want to, would more than one in 10 people say, no, I don't want to be able to choose how long I live. I okay, don't I, think not even that many, I don't think that many people that many, have ever even you? thought about it that much. Like you have to really um, engage them if you wanted them to think about it that far. Cause most people just don't encounter that question in a way they seriously consider it. If, you asked everyone and really engaged them, I'm pretty sure that it would be less than one in 10 that have that opinion. But uh, the problem is that most people don't really engage and think about it. Instead, they just go to the standard tropes that you keep seeing over and over in and movies that, and, I guess, and TV shows. And it's just, it's the received wisdom that that death is is what makes life meaningful. And so and it's just repeated without people thinking about is it. Is that That's what it bad is. Because... If people did think about it, they would take the position that like, no, death is dumb. Let's not just accept it. Let's. It would be great if we could choose when we wanted to die and if we could choose to you know, have that level of health indefinitely. But the really annoying, frustrating thing is that people do not think about that. They just regurgitate the same old, yeah, man, death is important. It's, it's what keeps things going. And if you, if you don't really dig into it with them, they'll, they'll um, dig their heels in. They'll be like, but what would happen with the population on the earth? How would we feed those many people? And they just keep coming up with anything to defend the stock answer. I think you're right. If like, people really thought so, about it, it would be less than one in ten. And but they don't. So why is so why this thing? People why think a lot of stupid shit. 
Oh. Like what's and and why? Because it doesn't seem like there's much, or maybe there is. Is it that you think like, oh, we're not advancing science enough because people are? Is that because I don't? No see one it, can, I can see, see that like, I just pointed at Brian. Okay, but yeah. yes, I pointed at Brian. Is in yes, this exactly kind of thing. And so because people aren't okay, I could. I mean, people. Yeah, see, I guess I just it doesn't seem as big a factor to me, but that at least makes sense. So so like so like people like Aubrey de Grey who runs like the Methuselah Project, whose explicit goal is to find life extension technology it has to be funded purely by charity like if this is something that culture as it's as a as a whole cared about would be like the government would be funneling mon- money into this like we funny mo- funnel money into curing cancer right like it the, the life extension technology shouldn't be a fringe charity it should be something that yes that that i mean uh, 0.1 of our gdp goes into right mm-hmm. uh, rather than zero um it and it's not something that like I get crazy up in arms about because like and I, I don't know anyone who gets up you know I I think it's easy to get passionate about it because this is something that like if you have enough conversations with people especially people you care about and they're like oh no I'm not going to do that that sounds ridiculous like I'm not going to spend fifteen dollars a month to try and live forever like w- w- why not I don't want you to die and they're like oh well you know it, I feel like everyone has their time and like these are all things I've heard from people I, I tried to talk into chronics that I don't want to die well, right okay, and sure. so like well it, so like. It, that that's where like actually this ties in great to the next question I want to ask but we'll have to finish this one up but I'll put a pin in the fact that like that's my emotional connection to it that like on a on a on a purely abstract level I think everyone should live for as long as they want and no one should be forced to die um, and I, so I, I feel like that's the needle important... for you at all that like because I guess we found out as just and I if this is or isn't a factual thing but apparently the factual end of it is that that fifteen dollars is going to waste like that. Not that it's not possible or whatever, but like with current technology, that's completely unrealistic. No. Not that the goal isn't worthy, but I, I think this the, specific I think, thing right now isn't working. Does that I think change the, your thought about it? I think the takeaway is that the your $15 a month has something optimistically like a 50% chance of working. Um, pessimistically, like 15 um, Now, And if that's the case, then that's one thing. But I guess when we were having this conversation online, apparently those numbers are completely, are just wildly... Well, not, not optimistic. They're unrealistic. Well, I I disagree. Like I, Robin Hanson. I'm not going. So if you disagree, then that's. Oh just no, yeah. Thing, but... oh, I mean, it's not just like me, but like I'll put it in the hands of somebody who I think could do no better at being pessimistic than like Robin Hanson, who in 2009 or 10 estimated about an eight percent chance of success, um, which still makes it worth it. Fifteen bucks is uh, less than my Netflix subscription, right? Is it's, Brian aware that Robert Hansen is partly the inspiration for Quirrell? I think so. Okay. Um, he, he's an economist at Jam- George Mason University. So think of someone as pessimistic as Quirrell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So basically, Professor Quirrell thinks there's a fifty or an eight percent chance this could work, and that was eleven years ago. Like bef- I thought it was five. Was it eight? I forget. Okay. In any case, this was before they successfully crop preserved like rabbit, uh, uh, like rabbit organs, and unpreserved them and put them in other rabbits, and those, those rabbits are thriving, right? So like this was before big breakthroughs that made this look a lot more realistic, and the other like the other main thing is that as far as chronics goes, there's no uh, there's no reason why it shouldn't work. It's I, it's not like I'm paying fifteen bucks a month to have someone store a crystal that a priest said a prayer over that contains my soul, and they'll put it in an Android when the right Android comes around, right? And that uh, five to eight percent, whatever it is, that um, probability he put on it. Almost none of that was the like physical impossibility or whatever. Like he's pretty sold on the fact that at some point the organs will probably be able to be uh, revived. Uh, most of that unlikeliness is due to like 
How likely is it that the government is going to exist this many continuous years? How likely is it that the cryonics organization will continue to exist this many years? So it's much more natural disasters, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. man-made disasters like nuclear war wiping out Michigan or something. Right. Um, it, it's it's more along the lines of like, will the infrastructure stay in place for as many centuries as is needed? Yeah. As opposed to, is it biologically impossible? Right. And so, I mean, I, I guess that, and that's my whole thing is like, could I afford to pay somebody's entire membership, like their 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 whole fee of like a hundred and ten thousand dollars or whatever is what it costs? No, but could I afford to pay their their Chronics membership? Absolutely. Even people I've offered to pay that for, I'm like, look, get your own life insurance policy, and I can help you make those payments. But I can also I'll buy I'll pay your your lifetime membership fee to Chronics Institute. Just do this. I've had people tell me no, and like maybe it's because they don't want to spend money on stuff, but it's like. You know, I, I watch you spend five dollars a day on Starbucks. Like, just put, just bring coffee to work three days a month, and you can afford this. <laughs> like, uh, so like, so there's this super super pessimistic post I once read on Less Wrong, where pe- someone was considering why are people like this. The title of the post is uh, "Life Sucks, But At Least You Die," which is basically <laughs> the summary of the argument in the post. Which is that most people's lives aren't all that um, wonderful, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm trudging through this," but they're not necessarily wanting to extend this. Well, and the person who budged the least for this on me was my grandmother, and I asked her when she was like 80, mm-hmm. and so she had been tired and decrepit—not decrepit is a, a harsh word—but she had been tired and worn out from decades of hard living for decades, mm-hmm. and so when she imagines living for another hundred years, she's like, "I've been tired for 20 years. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to," but. Which is, to me, that's the heartbreaking thing. I want my grandma to live forever. Yeah. And so, like... And you it, especially want her to live forever, like, in a 25-year-old body. And, and that's what I've tried to, to, to pitch her on. But she's like, no, it's, it's my time. And, like, I think a lot of people have um, the same sentiment, again, to, to use Dumbledore as a maybe-not-straw-man. Like, well, all my friends are passing. You know, I don't want to outlive everybody I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, but why not? Like I, it, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, do I don't with, either. That's why I'm trying to get more people yeah. that I know to not die. <laughs> I think it could also have to do with if you think it's, you know, if you think it's a one in a million shot, um, you're looking at the 999,999,000 cases where you die anyway, but you walked around with false hope. And, and then probably like, and then if you're in that spot, then you probably do talk your, you know, work backwards from there and, and say bullshit about like the nobility of death, blah, blah, blah. And in, in that case too, they're not asking them to show their work. Like <laughs> it, I mean, in, in the, I think I should, I sent you that Hanson post where it's like, it's like, it's, uh, and I'm not defending literally everything Robin Hanson has put to paper, but like if, if I want a, a clean Bayesian calculus and something that's kind of far fetched like this, um, I think he's a great person to go to. And it's just eight premises that he assigns a probability to. Um, and much of that is done on like actual research, you know, and some parts of it, like what are the odds that the, continental or that you know the united states will survive uh in in a solid enough state to keep businesses running like that's kind of a number you pull out of your ass but it's also kind of a number you inform from being a professional economist for 20 years Mm -hmm. or 30 however old he is so like it's um, you know it assumes that science is going to keep progressing at roughly the same rate which again you know maybe safe assumption but you don't know for sure and and, that's that's why the numbers are so like you know wibbly and and that's why you give typically ranges at the end of these things um because you plug and chug with eight different numbers um you can use what's called Bayes' theorem to just plug in uh your probabilities and well well, it needs a it's got three variables that's hard to describe if unless you can see my hand gestures (laughs) but the, the the point the point is you can plug in different values quickly and get a couple different numbers, and you're like, oh yeah, at the end of this, I estimate somewhere between a five and fifty percent chance of this working, right? 
Um, it and it's it's you know like I said it's not something I I like burn a lot of fuel over like I don't uh, I with the war on Christmas analogy like everyone's got that aunt on Facebook who you know talks about <laughs> war on Christmas right so it's maybe more than twenty I but maybe not. it's mostly Russian bots neither do I okay. so um, I don't know if there's anyone I have met in real life that thinks oh no I know people who know people definitely who have a war on Christmas hashtag and that sort of stuff who insist that no no Merry Christmas is what I say every year um, I don't know what it is but uh, my wife works with a more diverse group of people than I guess I work with um, where like I guess mainly people from other parts of the country and it's like oh yeah if you're southern you're gonna insist on that right so um, is that how it works uh, that is stereotypically sure yeah, yeah. okay um, at, at least in some of these cases but yeah I I wanted to unless there's anything else we want to drop up on uh, war on deathism. Then <laughs> uh, I, I, I think, and I don't know if I, I if I haven't said it out loud, I'll say it like the mostly the irritation in my voice around it is not even so much about like, the specific subject, but that, and especially hearing the fucking word deathist, you just got to stop <laughs> fucking saying it okay. because oh, I, it I pretty much told, sounds like retard. You know. When you say it and you say it and you could just swap that word out in the sentences you use it in. And so most of like the the way it grates on me is that it feels mostly like the community. I say snidely <laughs> wants a retard to make fun of in a very <laughs> chapter four hairy kind of way huh. that is just like, oh, together we can all bond around thinking that death is our retards. And I'm- that's and and that and. And that is not entirely true, but it is also not entirely untrue. Okay. Um, and that and th- that is totally my little button that gets pushed in. No, that's totally fine. And and I, I've learned a valuable lesson in that in future conversations, I won't use the word deathist because I, I brought that word. And it's up not with even you. so much that it's a, um, it's not like, like clearly it's not offensive to me. I wouldn't. No, no, like, no. But the, category but, you, but the fact the fact deathist, that it has not identified. It's so easy. It's it's just like a it's random. If this wasn't like a, label. if this wasn't a label that people had thrown on other people. And this is like, aha, we can attack these people with the, you see the red tag? Yep, deathist. Yeah, and then um, like, so that's like, all it, you think of as a, of if, that if we, if I, if I hadn't set up the dichotomy, if I hadn't set it up like a dichotomy that way, this might have been a more approachable line of thinking. Would it be okay just to refer to the philosophy as deathism then? There is definitely pro-death so, philosophy. Because like, I, I, I will I never stop saying... I it's a coherent saying, enough position that you can call it a philosophy. I will never stop saying some that, people. That, that Picard is pro-deathist propaganda. Because it absolutely is. It is it is a philosophy in the same way that flat earthism is a philosophy. There okay. are literally thousands of people that believe it, and who cares? <laughs> I when it keeps seeping into all my media and affecting because you're how looking my, for it, dude. Oh, dude, dude! You I'm telling you, for, I'm going to come back to you in 12 months, and you're going to be like, "How is it that I've seen never seen this before?" You weren't looking for it when you watched Picard. I can tell you that. No, I wasn't because yeah. I was expecting awesome Star Trek stuff. Yeah. So, so. I I mentioned that like. And I'm glad this kind of circled back for me in my head because I mentioned that like part of this is like an abstract thing. And then part of it, the reason that I mean, I get I I've like expressed an emotion that's not flat about it or not enthusiasm, you know, like the other two emotions I explained that I, that I expressed when we talk about the book um, is Apathy like the and indifference. That's right. And and and, enthousi- <laughs> oh, and, and enthusiasm occasionally. But um, like I, there's an emotional component to this that actually drives it home for me. And that was like one of the things you mentioned a couple of times with uh, Harry and his like Patronus, uh, his Patronus 2.0 mm-hmm. that like when he was destroying the first one, I think you were like, that was very like abstract and like the setup yeah, yeah. before it was, and that didn't land for you. But like when he said like, 
when he started naming people, naming family and friends mm-hmm. that he was going to, you know, protect and, and love. And that's what kept him there. That's what made it better for you. Um, I like both parts a lot, but I think that some people like the first half more and some people like the second half more. Is there, am I phrasing this in a way that actually makes it a question? Um, like, do you, hmm, do you see where I'm trying to go with this? Like, what is, what is it about having like a personal emotional stake that makes something valuable? Like, why can't it just be frontal lobe? It would be if it can't be more than frontal lobe, then I wonder. A, well, I guess. So my bias um, is that we are all wandering around in our reptilian hindbrain, having raw irrational emotional reactions to everything. And the best we can do is occasionally check in with our frontal lobe and get permission for what it is we're doing. And like, oh, hey, there's this thing I want to do anyway. Is that okay with you? (laughs) Um, And so I guess sort of my baseline assumption is everything somebody thinks or does is in concert with that raw, irrational, emotional need. And are they admitting to it? And if you're pretending it's not there, then what is there that you're not admitting to? And if it is there, then it's like these, again, these uglier things like, is this just, I like being part of this community and I want to go along, or I like looking down on other people because it makes me feel better. These things that probably if you looked at directly, you would be like, oh, wait, I don't like that. Um, But if you can go like, like when you, because then I'm like really connected, you say like, oh, you know, my brother almost died. Like, oh, and so I'm like, now I see why you think that and then they're like powerful too because it's not because it's not like that raw emotional thing is at all invalid but then it's like oh the rational logical conclusion you came to is in harmony with the fuel in your body and where it wants to go and you've now channeled them in a constructive direction and that's a believable thing Uh, if the intellectual thing is backed by it's not backed by nothing. It's backed by something. And are you lying to yourself about it? Did I you like, have a religious upbringing? I'm just I'm wondering. I think, no, not at no, all. Okay. And I think that I think not having it shoved down my throat has made me like not at all like defensive about it. Yeah, that's the thing. Because I have I had an extremely religious upbringing. And I and I, for me personally, like the desire to drive out death to stop this plague on the human species is like far more of an emotional thing than saving any one person. Like, even, I, I mean, I would miss Stephen if he was gone. I would miss my mom and my brother and all these people. But to me, the idea of death and how it's plagued our species for all these millennia and that we're close to getting rid of it is just far, far more emotional to me than thinking of any one random person would be. And that's, I think that's just like a difference of personality, really. I, I It may be because of my religious upbringing because I've kind of seen this pattern to be more among people who were like in a really religious household and then broke out of it i don't know what it is about that kind of setting but i think that initial upbringing makes you value individual humans less and value society more i think that's part of what religion tries to do like stop thinking about people start thinking about the church and society and this is what's the true good thing and you know i got out of that i don't believe that the church is the greater good anymore but that underlying systems are more important than individual humans i think is still kind of stuck with me where and now i just oh, the system is all is of humanity yeah okay that like all of humanity is church yeah you know? yeah I, I got a couple quick thoughts one so like there the line where he's you know when he's amping himself up to kill the dementor the line and no one will have to say goodbye to anyone anymore or something yeah, that felt like really emotional it did but it wasn't and i won't have to say bye to hermione and i won't have to say bye to my parents it was it was fully generic it was the idea that this yeah, won't I be a thing so. that people have to do anymore. 
And I also like as long as while while you're pondering that, I had one for you because your the first half of your initial answer was very Professor Quirrell, and I wanted to say <laughs> so. No one's ever donated to Oxfam just because they cared about those kids. Like you're not you're not going to meet those those third world kids that you're helping with that money, right? So like if someone donates to a to a charity to save people in the in the in the developing world, yeah, but they uh, probably donate a whole lot more to save their brother. Well, sure, but like. It, it seems like, oh, no, it needs to be a personal connection. I forget exactly what it was that I keen in on that made me think that, like, okay, well, if you're just checking to see if this sort of behavior is allowed or um, or whatever, then, like, what, what would drive somebody to spend any other money um, helping, like, so, helping somebody they'll never meet? Yeah, is, just, it, is it the bragging rights? I, don't, I, think, it, I feel at this point, like, we're almost being needlessly confrontational. Like, this could just be a difference of opinion. Oh, I'm not right? trying to sound confrontational whatsoever. Because okay. I, I think there's very I, – what, what I was – yeah, I should have made that clear from the outset. I think there's much less difference of opinion here than what it sound than uh I think there's a lot less daylight between our our apparent views than it seems. Um I was can, can I change the yeah, topic yeah. real quick? Or I don't know, no, we probably want to keep going on this. You wanted to keep going on this. Uh I can't remember where else I was going with it other than like I yeah. A motion to derail is Okay. Motion to derail. <laughs> what do you think about uh, Quirrell's plan to make uh, Harry dictator of England slash possibly the world? What do I think about it? Like, do I think it's a good idea? Yes. Do you think it's a good idea <laughs> in one part? And, you know, sure, let's start with do you think it's a good idea? Um, <laughs> and, like, why would he do this sort no, of thing and so forth? Because he's Voldemort and fucking crazy? <laughs> this is like, really? Or th- you're not really asking me that question. No, I kind of am. I, I, so, Ineash, are you in favor of world dictators? If they were Harry Potter, yes. And do you think that's likely? No. Ever? No. Ever, ever? Maybe if he so combines what, so what hypothetical the power are we of... The hypothetical is if he combined the might of magic and the might of science <laughs> to create a new discipline of magiscience. Magiscience. Could he maybe take over the world and wouldn't that be awesome? So, okay, like some weird fictional world where like actual Harry Potters exist. I don't fucking I don't know. But like, like in the real I think, world, like, is it, no? No, no, not in the real world, obviously. But like in the world of Harry Potter... Is this, even if Quirrell is Voldemort or is some evil other character or whatever, is the idea to put Harry in power bad? Um, the Watchman says yes, it's bad. Well, that, would, that is what Alan Moore would say, yes. <laughs> I wonder what <laughs> Brian Deacon would say. Uh, well, I think I agree with that, like, in that uh, I think it is not good for any of us to have, like, an infantilized idea that... You know, only I can save us," said mm-hmm. Queerness Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but what like if it's not Stark a cool way for like the whole society that is built around thinking we need a Harry Potter mm-hmm. to save us from ourselves is not a functional. That I, is a very libertarian point of view. <laughs> yeah, I, used, I used to be a registered libertarian. Nice. I, I will note for posterity that Iron Man. I think after he set out doing his Iron Man stuff, that like war, like large scale wars had stopped. Because if things got too nasty, Iron Man would just show up and stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, same with like Doctor Manhattan. That was, that was Manhattan. Yeah, Doctor Manhattan showed up, and then everybody you know. just kind of abdicates responsibility for their own actions because the superheroes will fix it if it gets too bad. Yeah, and so like that—that's an interesting thing. Like so with, uh, and I love being able to relate it to more nerdy shit. That's just this is what gets me off. Mm-hmm. Um, like if his Ultron plan had worked in a more uh, like large scale way, like he he could have had, um, I don't know his his iron legion if there were a uh, hundred thousand of those little suits flying around rather than just like one uh vision then yeah this actually could have worked 
Um, granted, it would have been at the whim of one guy who who made these things, and hopefully he's calibrated properly. But otherwise, all, instead of him having to be everywhere to stop every purse snatching and pull every cat out of every tree and stop every uh, mass murder or something, he can just send one of his robots, or his robots will do it themselves. Like, part of that sounds kind of cool, but I think the difference between uh, Iron Man's approach and Quarrels is that Iron Man doesn't want to run the world or even really take that much power away from people. And, like, I think... And, and Quarrels coming at it from a very different angle, so the analogy really falls apart. Like, Quarrels' whole thing is that he's... He watched the country fall apart when one psychopath and 50 and 50 goons almost knocked over the country. Right. Yeah. And so he's like, I loved that line. Just in his need a better psychopath this time. <laughs> I loved I loved that line in his Christmas speech. A light speech. lord, sir. <laughs> yes, a light lord. I like that line in his Christmas speech where he says, uh, the Dark Lord did not deserve to win, but make no mistake, your parents deserve to lose. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn, he's not pulling his punches because like half of them lost parents in the war. Um and so, like, it, I, I get where he's coming from, and I only bring that up because that's not at all where Iron Man's coming from. So I mainly brought it up because I like talking about Iron well, Man. Well, it's like in the the it was the same failure of communism. It's like if you don't consider, you're not in any kind of grand project. You're not going to get what you were going for. You're going to get sixty percent of what you were going for. And what does it look like when you only get sixty percent of Harry Potter rules the world? You get fucking Hitler is what you get. <laughs> uh, like the the part like a plan that doesn't tolerate partial failure gets fucking ugly so like the goals of communism seemed nice like everybody would have the same stuff and it would be to each according to his needs and that sounds great I, it doesn't work when you like reaching for the thing you want no it, it sounds, doesn't get you the thing you want what you're saying right now is a very dumbledore thing to say and that is like that has always been that is one of the reasons i love this arc so much is because i hate azkaban and i hate the state of the world and I want someone who's good like Harry Potter to make it right. And then like you see Dumbledore and he's just like, yeah, Azkaban exists and it sucks. But you're, basically Harry's plan is, you know, or Harry's ideal idea is one of those things that you said, like a 60% Harry takeover doesn't work. And when you're working within the system, you have to accept the Azkabans and the other horrific things that children in cages on the border because you can't go full dictator, right? And that that is what I really loved about this arc, that it had Harry, and I think Harry is right, and I think I should be on his side. And then there's fucking Dumbledore pointing out, you know, if you don't get all the way there, you're completely fucked. So screw it. We got Azkaban now until we can slowly work over, you know, however many decades trying to convince people to vote against it. That's, I think, a distinct point. A distinct way of putting where I kind of meandered to try to get to when we talked about that because I, I like that a lot. Like, Dumbledore is right. Unfor- is he un- right? Unfortunately, fuck the so, world. Like, well, because don't get me wrong. Like, so because Harry, but not Harry's... like if Dumbledore is saying so, just fucking put up with Azkaban. But he's then, not. No, he's not right. But he's not. Yeah. But if it's like trying to blow it all up is not going to get you what you want. So like, right, play and the that, long game. That's his thing. Dumbledore isn't in favor of Azkaban. He's like, look, I can't just I. I Love where you're going, kid, but trust me, we can't just go knock over this this prison and the, the government the government will be pissed and come at us. Like that that doesn't end well. That actually ends worse. And like what it, you gotta do is enters game it. If you stop it, all future possibility of retaliation at the very first go. How many people did Ender have to kill to make that happen? 
I mean, I mean he our, only had to kill the one. We'd probably have well, to kill the maybe plan- half yeah, the population. And, and, and the planet, right? Not of, a rhetorical question. I don't know. Oh, that, yeah. He has, has anything, like, are there choices like this in the real world where people chose the blow it up version and it was uh, and maybe it totally is i'm trying to like and it was good and yeah that like oh blow that so. blow it all up was the right thing to do here how did the french revolution work out very I'm, not a, I'm not a historian okay yeah mm. um the i mean the closest i could say is the civil like, war but and not yeah the civil war because that was about slavery but even that was, but that wasn't that was the reaction like the blow it all up was the south saying fuck it like the it worked that well because we we're like yeah no so yeah i think and, and i didn't ask that thinking like oh that's never true like maybe there was a hard time because that's all, and we like we write movies about that. Like, oh, it's great. And even like when Harry was at when when I was reading, and I thought like, oh, there is a chance that Harry's just gonna fucking blow up Azkaban now. I was like, fuck yeah, yes, fucking do yes. it, man, do it, absolutely. Who cares if it doesn't work? Just fucking do it. I want him to, and I was disappointed yeah. that he didn't. Yeah, don't um, don't get me wrong. I want him to do it too. Yeah, it's, it's just like uh, I when you said that sounds like a very Dumbledore thing to say. I wanted I just wanted to chime in and say I think that's also like that's not the same thing as saying that's a bad thing to say. Um, I think that. Dumbledore is in a very tough spot. And again, he's even got the emotional core of it. He's like, my own father died there. Mm-hmm. And that means yeah. that he died alone and cold, not remembering who I was and no doubt in emotional and physical agony. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I know how much this place fucking sucks and I'm not going to go blow up Azkaban. Why do you think I won't do that? Is it because I'm evil? No, look at my fucking Phoenix. Look at how, look at, look at my accolades. I'm Albus goddamn Dumbledore. Like, no, I'm not doing it. Cause I like the, the, well, Harry, Harry, Harry's plan was good, literally, right? we'll deal with the fallout. <laughs> what was that? He's doing See, it for the greater good. The smirk doesn't come out on... <laughs> he, he, Harry, Harry's, Harry's plan was literally, we'll deal with the fallout afterwards. And it's like, no, nah, man, that's not how these things work. And so it, it's a tough spot to be in. I'm not saying you... you, you so that, that's, that, that puts me in the tough spot. And that's actually what I really liked about uh, Quirrell's conversation with Harry in the previous chapter. And I tried to tease out exactly what I was getting at, but we couldn't quite get there. But like... When Quirrell was saying, oh, no, if anyone actually cared, they wouldn't they'd quit voting for it or they would go do something about it. They, you observe, Harry, that they don't. So that means they don't care. And I'm like, I'm in this picture and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like you're calling me out, Quirrell. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not doing fuck all to make the world like a better place or to write the horrible atrocities. Do I really not care? Like, we, we, we pretend to care. We say things. Why aren't we out doing shit, Inyash? <laughs> because we have things to lose. I don't want uh, people with guns to come and take all my stuff and put me in a cage for the rest of my life. So, oh, but if you have, well, I guess that's actually a good point. Okay, yeah. So, it's not clear to me how Harry, as an eleven-year-old now, has the power to, to solve this problem. But, well, neither does anyone. Can that, I, so that, make, well, that makes that makes Quirrell's whole framing of this kind of bullshit because, like, no one has the power to topple Azkaban. Yes right? and no. I mean, so like, if anyone could press a button, there might be. Well, I think a, that was the point. Like, everything Quirrell said was so fucking easy to say, and I think. Like that was the that was my takeaway at least. Like, you know, this is not you know I'm not like Mr. Sunshine or whatever, but like that was like the you know I can get behind some quality pessimism, uh, but that was like the lazy kind. That was just like, oh, people suck. Why do people suck? Because you suck. <laughs> the stuff Quirrell said hurt me, but also in the same way that like Dumbledore hurt me, just like with a different face on it. I don't. Again, this is probably the whole religious thing with the... Because the Jehovah's Witnesses are an apocalyptic cult where the Messiah is going to come back and make everything right, right? But uh, when Harry is approached by Lasoth and Lasoth asks him, please save my mom, um, I found that heartbreaking because I, like, see that in the world every single fucking day. There's people hurting and they shouldn't be hurting and I want it to stop. 
And when Harry says the correct answer is to become God so you can fix these things, like I am 100% on his side. It's what's one of the reasons I stopped believing in God was because I looked at the world and was like, there's no way I would do a much better job than God. I wouldn't allow this shit to happen. And so like when when I asked about how do you feel about Harry being installed as dictator, I was kind of like building to what Harry really wants and what I really want is for Harry to become God because then he would be completely unopposable and he could make everything right. And I know that's like kind of infantile and it's certainly bad of me with the now that I have the libertarian leanings to to be even suggesting that we should put a god in charge of all humans that knows the best way to do things but god I wish it was because it's fucking terrible that people hurt and die it's one of the reasons I can't you know okay and we're going again I guess basically what I was saying is that um I have emotional issues that this story touched on which I really liked and I know that is particular to me and you are it seems to me a more well-adjusted adult. <laughs> no, well, no. Even if like you run with that, well, and it sounds like you have no. And I think like that kind of shit is like that's what makes it, at least for me, like that kind of shit, like in it pushing your buttons in a way that's like meaningful to you is like way cooler than like the intellectual emotional. Like even though like that stuff is correct. Mm-hmm. But I don't care. Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> again, like that's the stuff. Like I file that into the that goes into the bucket of things I can ask permission for later. Um, but yeah, no, that checks out. I, I didn't, that reminds me, I wanted to make perfectly clear. I wasn't trying to sound confrontational when I was like, Oh, then why do people give to overseas charity or something? I was bringing that up as like a intuition pump to keep the conversation going. Mm. Not if it was a Reddit thread, it would have been confrontational. But <laughs> since, since it's an in-person conversation with somebody that we have rapport with, I would, I, I meant it in a, in a genuine, like, okay, but then like what's going on here? And not in the sense of like, ha, got you, libtard, but in the sense of like, uh, no, no, the word, the slur now is deathist. deathist. Um, it just occurred to me, I don't know what the quote libtard equivalent is for libertarian, but I, I, that's obviously not what I was going for. I was going for more like, okay, but then how does this fit into that? Stoned Um, gun nut or something. I don't know. Something. How's that go? Prepper? I don't know. Prepper. (laughs) So, uh, no, I, I, yeah, I meant it in a more prepper with edibles down to earth way. And if this sounds at all disjointed, it's because we just like had to save and delete some stuff because your memory ran out of space. So we might have lost a second. Yeah, we uh, might have lost like five, ten seconds. Meh. Yeah. I'm just explaining why we pivoted back and forth to stuff. And what were we even talking about as far as... Uh, what I do know is that we've been going on for about an hour and 40 minutes. So You yeah, pretend like that's... About halfway time. through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got Let's some just stamina. Get up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now for chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what else to hit. I think I had, like, my three notes. I was told to ask you what you th- where you thought the book was going. Oh, and we, we totally derailed off that. Wait, so the reason we got on that whole deathist thing was I'm like, okay, oh. the, the payoff is going to have something to do with that. It's funny how much stuff I can extrapolate, not so much, like, from the book, but about what everybody asks about the book while trying not to spoil anything. Hmm. Um. So that's like a really big. That's how I like in the early on, like people were bent out of shape that I thought Harry wasn't sincere when he talked about Quirrell. And I'm like, oh, apparently Quirrell's a big deal. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a fair point. Coming right into this, you just think he's the defense professor that'll be a background character till yeah. the end or something. Yeah. yeah. Or that, yeah, not, not sure like how important he's going to be or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so I imagine that's going to have to do with. Well, so as I'm thinking about this on the fly. So, Harry's a Horcrux. 
That's going to tie in with the whole life, death, bad thing. Clearly, we're supposed to see Quirrell as like a psychopath that makes a few good points. <laughs> um, and so I think that'll be, and probably, I'm guessing, like, Quirrell having like a misguided try to defeat death in whatever we mean with that. <clears throat> um, and then I think, so, and it's, so it's some kind of like quarrel, like Harry coming to terms with his inner quarrel, um, or Harry is his off. Um, so yeah, something like, like, where is it? Like big payoff. Um, I think Ask, Azkaban's got to, something's got to happen to Azkaban. I can't st- stay there. Um, I don't know. Quarrel's got to die. <laughs> Harry has to have some like growth experience be a better person uh, and and by mentalist rules we have to be thrown at least one more uh attempt to deceive us into something that's not true and by quarrel one more or... tragedy i don't know oh okay it has to be like one more like fake out and one tragedy these are the, the rules of narrative nice <laughs> but so quarrel's gotta die some tragedy maybe that is quarrel though nah because it's too hard. and one more fake out Cool. Maybe Dumbledore. So something I, I want Dumbledore. Maybe Dumbledore dying. Some, mean? Some, or maybe nah, Dumbledore faking out. Some, some, I don't know. Okay. Some fake out about Dumbledore. I don't know. I'm just pulling shit out of my ass. Uh, I'm approaching this the opposite way. What would you be very disappointed if it some this if a thing didn't happen? Disappointed if a thing didn't happen. And what do you want to happen? Maybe is another way to. Like, oh, also, I guess the big one, and it sounds like like we're getting there. Like like the shit Harry did is not okay, and like we're <laughs> but and it, like and we're getting there. So. Like the big, the thing I was hoping does seem like, like Harry working through that tendency in himself. Um, like, so if that didn't happen, if like if this book ended with, you know, it's fine to be a condescending prick <laughs> as long as you're right enough. <laughs> I'm just imagining where like, it's like the, the final supper they have at the end of every year and like. Hermione, Professor McGonagall, Neville, everyone gets up and be like, Ha ha, death is retard. <laughs> Harry, Harry, everyone, they all stand up and be like, Harry, you are so right about everything. We're sorry we didn't, we didn't support you all this time. So that would be the bad ending. Yeah. So I'm like, so I guess, Man, so I'm like, Brian's going to be so upset with sending. <laughs> what would I just, would I be disappointed? I, you know, I don't, I guess there's nothing that I'm like, no, like, oh my God, they better not kill Tyrion, like moment. Like there's no like oh fuck, um, I, it, so it would just be like you know if stuff like laid flat like the, I guess the stuff that would suck seems like it's definitely not gonna happen, um, so yeah I don't know I guess so if it was just like too, you know wrapped up in a nice neat little bow which also doesn't look like that's happening like there's gray area showing up now, um, and since you knew at the onset that this is just like Harry's first year, um, unless you know he's able as an eleven year old to wrap up the entirety of all of the world's problems, <laughs> uh, which, you know, if, if he stumbles or brute forces his way into godhood might happen, but I, I could see it being unsatisfying in either way. Right. Like, and this isn't foresight. This isn't foreknowledge. This is just like me thinking about it. Like, would it be, I, I like, it, I don't know. I, I actually enjoy watching and consuming stuff on like, how to write things well, even though I don't write anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and like how to write an ending is hard. Oh, Cause like you don't, you don't want to like, okay, well, and then, Oh wait, where was this thread? Yep. That one's all nice and good. Oh yeah. This one's great over here. And everyone lived happily ever after, or they had a tough spot, but they're working on it. Like endings are tough. 
Um, I really liked the end of Ward. And for some reason, some people didn't because they're idiots. Um, <laughs> but like it, the like at the end of it, like the, the whole story is like recovery. Like the, they, the, the world was literally almost annihilated. The multiverse almost was not annihilated at the end of the first book. And all the characters are covering from huge traumas. And like, this doesn't end with everybody all better. And yep, mm-hmm. I'm so, I'm a much better person having experienced what happened in the last few years. Like, no shit's tough. This is like recovery is a process and that's kind of where everything ends up. Like people, I think all of them basically end up in a better spot than when they started, which is important, but like, it would be weird if it ended where like, and they all live happily ever after with friendship and unicorns. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah i guess that's like that would be so a disappointing ending that's at least plausible would be if it ended with a very preachy neat one-sided ending about death is bad blog.com um <laughs> thank like you if, if it was here's super, your payola <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if it was like you know facile is the snooty uh term like it was just like a really neat packaged up you know and there's only one logical conclusion to draw to any of this kind of ending that would be pretty disappointing she also doesn't seem like it's gonna do that either especially not from the look on your faces but um (laughs) i need to still like putting a shield up or something i'm 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 nodding at everything you're saying to divert any guesses you might have so yes mcgonagall is dumbledore is is (laughs) that would be great mcgonagall was hagrid the whole time um I was trying to think. Uh, it would have worked too if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <laughs> you didn't read chapter sixty-four of the Amaki. Like the what if your Patronus was Scooby Doo? Could it that talk? would be Just pretty cool. Random thought. I'd be okay with that. Ooh, what would your Patronus be? That would be like Colin Creevy's Patronus would be Scooby Doo. Who's that? He was Harry's little fanboy. He was the adoring fan yeah, from Oblivion for Harry mm-hmm. in book two. Oh, oh. Okay. Did you see the thing that someone posted in uh, Discord? Yeah. So when you fuckers keep giving me shit about like, oh, I'm not up to, on all my little details about the original. <laughs> it's just like I bust out a Ludo Bagman and a Colin Creevy and <laughs> stump the dude that read this book to you. Nailed it. I didn't. I know who Colin Creevy was. I didn't know who. Uh, oh yeah, but hey, yeah, he read the book to you. I get it. Um, yeah, the yeah, uh, Colin Creedy wasn't in Methods of Rationality, so I don't know. He, he was a he was a first year when Harry was a second year, so in your defense, he wasn't in this book, right? Right. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say about uh, the adoring fan? Something, something. I think I lost my train of thought again. That might mean it's close to time to wrap Colin up. But I'm having Creedy, too much fun. To had Scooby Doo Patronus. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. What would your Patronus be? Well, my Patronus be fucking. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like a Dementor is the tongue in cheek answer. That'd be really. <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> Um, a goblin from Gringotts, except like glowing and so no Yoda. Yes. Okay, oh, Yoda that's mine. a good there one. You go. Yoda. Yoda's solid. All of mine are. You like, got major geek points for that one. Yoda. I think since like it's cheating if they're humanoid, right? Like because it's not they're supposed to like then it seems off oddly or too closely inspired by this book. Yeah, I suppose. Because like so so having literally Captain America with a shield defending you from the Patronus doesn't count. Could it be just Mjolnir? Just throwing the hammer at a Dementor if it came near you. That sounds fucking tight. Yeah. A giant Hulk fist hammer. punching at it sounds cool. You are a big DC kind of person. Or not DC, Marvel. Yeah, excuse God me, sir. Damn, I'm yeah. sorry. Calling me. Oh, uh, you know, I should, my answer should have been Wolverine. But... That's not cool. But Yoda works because he's not quite human. So yeah. if, we're, if we're going to that rule. Honestly, I don't know. Like, he's definitely humanoid, though. If Harry's allowed to have a human, then we're allowed to have humans. And actually, like, applying a character to your Patronus makes it, like, cool. That's like a Patronus 3.0. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like yeah, your Patronus can use the Force. Can, can, your, yeah. can your Patronus use the Force, Harry? 
I'm trying to think. Like now he has three mystical things to combine: magic, science, and the force. Yes. The only thing that makes this question tough is I don't think that there are any duplicate Patronuses in the series. Like for some reason, no two people are well connected enough with cats to have two people have cats. There are five hundred thousand species of beetle, so maybe. So like what? I get like the shit beetle. Like, oh, <laughs> slime mold again. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean like in all sincerity if if it was just me doing the patronus 1.0 it'd probably be like a cat or something but like is it that's that's the thing because like in the in the canon version it's just like what animal was i thinking of when i wrote this patronus for this character like mm-hmm. it wasn't like in fact they they even kind of like wave at that in this like hermione says be an otter why an otter and she kind of just like you know smiles and doesn't say because. anything and it's like because it was an otter in the regular books and why was an otter there probably because she likes cute. otters yeah because they're super cute there are no gross patroni. Patroni? We've, we've never settled on a plural. Patronuses. Patronides. Patronides. New favorite. <laughs> um, so, like, I don't know. There, there's there's no... Uh, trying, uh, trying to think of just, like, a, a not obviously super gross animal. Like a bug. There are no bug patronuses. They seem to have to be relatively big. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's cheap. I think... Jellyfish patronus. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to say... Gelatinous cube patronus. <laughs> that would be awesome. Banana slug patronus. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm gonna say Thor's hammer would be my patronus. Now you've got to think of one that is comparably nerdy. Shit, I don't know. A gelatinous cube sounds fun. Would it just like go Iron over golem. the Patronus and just like hold it, or the Dementor and just hold it there? Yeah. <laughs> Iron Golem. Damn it, I shouldn't have asked Brian that question because now I'm put on the spot. <laughs> Darth Vader. Uh, Beholder. Um, hmm. I don't know, maybe a book been a huge impact on my life but i guess it has to be sort of an animate thing right it can't be not necessarily gremlin mogwai Ooh, mogwai are cool i'm killing it over here oh my god i would totally have like um disney's robin hood the fox one that would be i guess that's humanoid again damn it i you know i think that as long as we're answering this question for fun we don't have to be too nitpicky let's go with the nine fox what's what's that the um the the the, isn't that a um pokemon the nine-tailed fox thing? Oh, yeah. uh, Pokemon, nine-tails. Nine-tails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. That would be perfect. Pokemon, that's fertile, fertile territory. Yeah. I didn't even, yeah, that opens up a whole 800 and change, or 900, someone correct me, but some, almost 1,000 in in options. What's the saddest, most depressed Pokemon? Cubone. Okay. They, they spelled that out in the movie, too. If anyone didn't see Detective Pikachu, it's a delightful 90 minutes of a modest movie, but it's mainly just fun seeing good renditions of 3D Pokemon. The re- I was gonna say the whole like Cuban's whole backstory is really depressing. Like, and it wasn't in the first game; it was like in his Pokedex entry for the second game. It's like the grooves in its in its skull cap, which is actually its mom's dead its dead mom's skull, are there nice. just constantly crying, looking for her. Or something. Oh my it's god! It's like the most grim shit ever. That for no reason they threw on a bunch of thirteen year olds who played you know this this game. So, um, they but that's in the first uh, five minutes of the movie. So it's funny, cool. kinda. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to see Ryan Reynolds dance around his little Pikachu, it's fucking cute. So, nice. Turn that back. I have an eleven-year-old. I've seen every shitty. Oh, did you did you watch it? Wasn't it, wasn't it like not the? I, I like, was not plot great. wise. It, was, it, it wasn't sucked, the, but it was the fun to watch. special effects were really good. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is always funny. Yeah, he carried the, uh, the, the what's the? I'm totally not a Pokemon person, but the Mewtwo is that yeah. the, whoever the, the that was stupid. Yeah, <laughs> and the special effects were bad, and it, it was, was the, it, that part was not good. It was unfortunately like yeah, bad special effects for what could have been a fun thing because it's like basically Mewtwo is basically like a scaled down Doctor Manhattan. Like, and it, I was actually spoil spoiler. I was I should, I guess maybe I just wasn't thinking very hard that when I'm like oh his dad is the voice of my, and then it was like when Ryan Reynolds actually shows up as a meat space actor in the movie I was actually not seeing that one coming which I should have. But. Meh, it works out. Yeah, I, 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 I think it was hinted at or something, but 
there's some good subterfuge as to why that might not be the yeah. case, but we won't spoil the whole movie. It's, it's, it's not great moments in cinema. You're not, right. <laughs> you're not missing anything. All right. Well, since we're, we're talking about other movies now, <laughs> I think it's time to wrap this up. Okay. Um, any final thoughts from our guest? Uh, I did not... Hmm. I did not know I liked horror when I was reading this originally uh, because I thought I didn't. This is some a realization I've only come to in the past two or three years. And it's been quite an interesting uh, character journey for myself to make this realization. But um, looking back on it, like I can tell that I really loved horror by how I really loved this arc. To me, this seems basically, you know, the horror arc of the, of the uh, novel and god it just had me wrapped with attention and like i knew all the music i was hearing and all the sound effects and everything and it was just it was perfect for me nice that's how i hadn't really thought of this as i mean that totally works i hadn't thought of this as being horror but it's dark in that same way i was I, and i didn't like horror at all actually it was it wasn't until a different podcast a long time ago pseudopod oh but, yeah um was the first exposure to written horror that i'd ever had because i guess like in my it was always like slasher film, like a Budweiser vibe to horror. That's why I thought I hated I horror yeah, because so, I don't like those slasher shit. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, like written horror is like very different. It's so, yeah, yeah I actually liked it a lot, but I, yeah, that's good. I hadn't thought of this as being that, but yeah, it totally is. You know, you got to try the Magnus archives again. You need mm-hmm. to listen to the podcast. I'm pointing up Ryan now. You need to listen to the podcast, the Magnus archives. Magnus. It just doesn't quite do it for me, but I think it will. Give it, give it five more episodes. All right. What's the Magnus Archives? So it's like the the protagonist. It's kind of like log entry. This, but he's reading like old memos. He's inherited this office of archivist of this uh, the Magnus Institute, and they investigate paranormal stuff basically. Or people come to them with like their cases. Mm-hmm. And so when he when he inherits the role, like the office is in disarray, and he's just reading statements. He's trying to like digitize everything, and some of them he records onto a tape recorder, and those are the ones we get. So it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a live-action voice drama thing. Yeah, and that's cool. And basically, the first couple dozen are him, like, reading seemingly disconnected, like, uh, scary stories that people came in with. Like, oh, yeah, then this happened. and uh, Or this would happen to my friend or whatever. Um, and what I like about it is it's, it's like a legit thought-out series where it is five seasons. Season five is currently coming out every week. Um and it, 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 it gradually builds into like a more cohesive picture of what's like the world that's going on. Mm. And it's really fun. And it's different kinds of horror. Like in the beginning, it all starts out, and I like your word for it, like predatory horror, where it's like, well, I mean, kind of they're all going to be victims of whatever happened. Mm. And it's not clear to me like what kind of horror is non-predatory horror. Um, but it, it, it does it in a way where it hits you with different kinds of freakouts. Like some are like uh, grotesque, fleshy things. Others are like, you know, the dark or you know other unknowns it's it hits with a variety of cool things but it also paints this broader picture of a cool fun thing so and it's a 20 minute digestible audio podcast that you can listen to the first episode and drive home (laughs) which would continue the tradition because that's how i listened to my first episode when it was pitched to me here in this very room (laughs) all right you have to plug the doof thing of some kind yes uh yeah but i don't have my notes in front of me so we do have a doof patreon at patreon.com slash doof media um oh i guess i will will plug this uh transistor is the game they're playing for game club which i don't know why i keep i'm harping on that one like the most of all their podcasts because that's like the one that i would be doing if i wasn't doing this one and i 
don't regret playing it. I do regret spending $20 on it because it took me two days to beat. I um, really wish the same team that did Transistor did um, 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 the guy with the hammer, Bastion. And I thought Bastion was just a better game in every single way. I really wish they would have done Bastion instead. And the soundtrack for that one. God, it's amazing. The soundtrack for this one's amazing, too. Oh, Don't get me wrong. okay. That's how it was sold for me. Okay. Uh, um, Zeke, who was on the podcast and uh, comes to the meetups and stuff, um, sold me on that. And I got, it on, I got a Steam account and got it on my, my old Mac to play. And it, it was like four bucks. Came with the CD. Came with the soundtracks. Which and, one? Uh, Trans, Transistor. I thought you said you'd pay $20 for it. Well, because it came out on the Switch. Oh, and so like playing it on the key, playing it on my computer, leaning over my little laptop. Back then, I didn't have an external monitor. And I was like, "Oh, I'll play it on the Switch. Sounds good." And man, I loved the hell out of Hollow Knight. I'd pay wait, I'd pay twice what I paid for Hollow Knight. So I was like, "Oh, maybe it'll be that good." And it was fine. Huh. You know, it, it never really builds like a. I I don't know. I, Bastion, it, it was, it was yeah, fun. Bastion has a much more rich story and world, and there's a narrator that tells you what you're doing as you're doing it. It's it's really a good. I I, I think it was the better of the the two well i'll see if that's on switch because i like playing i like the ability to like i i have two sets of remotes now mm. because it's a long boring story but i've got a set of remotes that i can play that's plugged into my external monitor so i'm sitting at my desk and i can play and then when i get you know want to do stuff i can just pick the thing up and leave the room like then all the commercials it's great yeah. so I, I like that option but all right i'll try bastion see if that's on the switch well you know or just wait until their next game and play along with whatever the next game is yeah that said i will be paying full price immediately probably on launch day for the sequel to hollow knight which i think is coming out in the next year so it doesn't have an official release date cool but that looks tight a thing that i'm going to do the doof club is i'm not even in the doof network but i'm pimping this anyway uh they do you a, are now you're you're in the club <laughs> <laughs> they do a monthly uh book club and so far uh, since i started listening to doof about gosh i want to say about a year ago um Every book that they've done is either one that I have already read or one that I know I have no interest in reading, like when they did The Gentleman Bastards, because it just wasn't for me. Uh, but now they're doing The Diamond Age, and uh, that is one I've always wanted to read but never got around to reading. So I am actually going to be reading along in the same month that they're doing it for the first time ever. Nice. And I'm You'll excited about this. You'll be shocked to learn that it goes on forever and has an unsatisfying ending. See, here's the thing about Neil Stevenson's books. Everyone says he's terrible at writing endings. I don't understand that because in the words of Dr. Manhattan, I don't really believe anything ever ends. And I know that there is an art to creating a good, satisfying ending to books, which is probably um, one of the reasons I can't do it because I don't understand how things end. But it just it, it's never bothered me that a story just kind of stops because I'm like, oh, well, I guess they ran out of ink and no, paper it's eventually. Like, it's like he went on too long because he didn't know how to end it. And then he just like. Oh, if you go on too long, that's too bad. What was the one that we read for? That was the last. The one we read for book club was the last one. That was the. That was the book that I fired him. I'm like, I'm was that Seven Eves? Is that the same guy? No, Seven Eves is uh Oh, it is Seven Eves. Yeah, fucking Seven Eves. Like I liked the first book, and then there was a second book added on to the end that was dumb. (laughs) I can't remember what all. I think was it Snow Crash and Diamond Age and Seven Eves. I'm like, it's the same problem all every time. I'm done with you. He writes too long. So to tie it back in, yes, you can actually follow along and join the chat live. This is one that they do a lot of like so they they do um, we've got Ward live. Well, they did um, that wrapped up. You should check out the interview with Wild though if you're curious on okay. what it's like to talk with an author who wrote a two million page book in two years <laughs> yeah. or a two million word book. Yeah. Um, his his writing process is interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm curious how you would relate to that as someone else who who dabbles as you put it in writing. I know uh, I could never write two million pages or two million words in a year. 
Yeah, I couldn't even if I was I just running. Read two million words. words in a year. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, or no, two years, whatever it was. Okay, but still a million case, words a year is yeah. a lot. So anyway, um, it's writing ten books a year. Check out doofmedia.com/slash/calendar and see when they're doing the live book club reading, or a uh, book club, whatever book club where they where they it's not just them talking about the book they have people from the chat come in and talk about it and they it's an interactive thing so you should join that if you're reading this book uh i might it depends on what time it is i might not be available well i'm pointing to you and to everybody who should read <laughs> what book are they doing this month uh the diamond age by neil stevenson there we go when when do you know when they're doing the episode because i can try it's and... always the last friday of the month well that's in three days i'm not gonna get there no no, no, no. this is for next month Oh, okay, good. Yeah. So I've got... You just ripped through the Diamond Age in three days. God. <laughs> it's like 800 pages, isn't it? Uh, sure it's one of his shorter ones at only 500-something. Oh, <laughs> that sounds attainable for me to try and hit next month. It's a lot of pages, but yeah, it's doable in a month. Okay, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. All right. All right, so that's that's that. I need to wrap this up. So Because yes. uh, stick around for the next day or two, or maybe later today. Who knows? I'll, I don't even know yet, so it's a mystery. Uh, there will be a, a second part that's full spoilers for the series coming out and the in... second part's going to be significantly shorter there's just a few things i wanted to say that i couldn't say around brian because they're spoilers yeah. you have to commit for at least an hour and 45 no okay well it'll it's still gonna happen all right dead air. <laughs> right <laughs> i'll just put in like 30 minutes of silence although good good apps trim that all right we're rambling this is how if you're not familiar with my other podcast the Beijing conspiracy this is how they all end <laughs> literally all of them that we don't have a guess with a hard stop time so all right I will see you guys in a week for... Oh, I need to tell everyone what chapters we're reading. We are going to be oh, doing yeah. 65 and 66. 64 okay. is optional. That's the Omake chapter. So join us next week for Was that 65. the one with the Lord of the Rationality? Yes. Oh, that was a fun one. And the one with your very, very short story. Well, that was one line. Yeah, yeah. but it's funny. Cool. And the Aladdin one was also relevant. Spoilers, I already read that one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So yeah, uh, 65 and 66 next week. Okay, great. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for having me on. It was great.